I'm Sam Mitchell, and these are my stories. All right, folks, I hope you're having a good day today. Let me first welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now, before we begin, I must know that I am not a dark psychiatrist. If your son or daughter needs to be diagnosed with autism, please see a physician. I only speak based on my experiences. I also want to read to you the mission of Autism Rocks and Rolls. The mission of Autism Rocks and Rolls is to take the stigma off of autism and other conditions that many think are disabilities. People on the spectrum are not broken and do not need to be fixed. Those who have conditions or abilities do not want to be pitied. There is nothing to be sorry about. And there are also some people I'd like to thank. First of all, I would like to thank Al Snow at C-153, heading to the interview with Al Snow for more information. And thank you so much for being on the show, and thank you so much for the invitation to your wrestling school. You're an awesome guy, man. We'll see you soon. And even though I did not win the Discover Pod Awards, I'd like to congratulate the winners and wish all of the podcasts their best luck and their success. And check out the new Autism Rocksville's merchandise on teespring.com. And once again, I want to thank Perry and Renee Fowler for hosting another successful special needs night. We sure did have fun. Additionally, I'd like to thank everyone who was part of the TEDx and Keynotes Speakers Clubhouse events. As a result of your advice, I will use it in the future when I speak in public. And I also have begun college classes at Ivy Tech in person. Gaining a higher education and learning about sociology and public speaking are exciting to me. And this time I was on two podcasts. My podcast appearances were on a different path with Armando Bernal and the Autism Dad podcast with Rob Grosky. Both podcasts were excellent. Make sure you listen, everyone. Now, folks, we'll be right back. We got to hear about Wellspring Paint Solutions. So let's get to it. Hello, everybody. This is Mike Glasscott from the Glass in the Afternoon radio program on News Sports Talk 98.7 and AM 1370 and WGCLradio.com. And on behalf of Wellspring Pain Solutions, they're happy to partner with Sam Mitchell and the Autism Rocks and Rolls podcast. Wellspring Pain Solutions applauds Sam's mission statement to eliminate the stigma associated with autism. Here's what we want you to do. Check out the website wellspringpainsolutions.com you'll find out which of the four locations is closest to you you'll get a chance to meet their team of providers and all the services offered at wellspring when you're there now the fun really begins you'll find the link to sam's website where you'll find all his podcasts background information on his guests as well as all the merch in his merchandise store you'll be amazed you'll have fun you'll enjoy it all we ask you to do is take a listen and spread the word that autism rocks and rolls all right folks and we're back i know it should be too nervous to meet these fine people now folks today's thoughts gonna be a little different i want to hit this off right with a bang so you need to pause this and look in the show notes because the video is a facebook video and that will lead you to the topics episode today so pause your, where you are right now and do that please all right, now that you've done that, you probably know what this topic's about. Because today, it is about, you guessed it, dun-dun-dun, professional wrestling. Because professional wrestling, man, where do I even start from? It's helped me so much that it's become my savior grace. And it is really the autism of all sports. Because it has action, comedy, everything you want to sport makes you want to have fun. It's the entertainment side. Everything about wrestling is so perfect. It's structured. It's the perfect place for me to be even in and out of television. Now, the definition of professional wrestling is a type of performance arts that involves pre-planned wrestling matches and the outcomes are planned in advance. It is basically a wrestling show. And kids, you might want to cover your ears or if you don't want your kids to know this fact, you might want to cover their ears too because, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. Professional wrestling is fake, but the illusion seems so real because everyone seems like they're getting really hurt. And I know they're not, but... It feels like they are, and that kind of animosity 
is kind of hard to not get attached on and then fade out for me. I can never fade out of it because of that reason. And professional wrestling, I mean, the wrestling side and the entertainment side, that's a great combination. I would have never thought of that. And it led to a company that basically made professional wrestling, which is WWE or WWF, as you old timers call it. And it's called World Wrestling Entertainment or Federation. It is an American entertainment and media company that provides professional wrestling. And they provide other stuff, but they mainly provide all your wrestling skills and the wrestling abilities that you really need to see so we could see the better picture and characters that do not exist in real life. And I believe that professional wrestling actually relates to autism because it involves action. And Ashby sometimes love anything involving movement or motion because we like to move and not just be lazy, honestly, and just sit and have the world stand still. I like stuff that move around, make your hands go crazy. I just love that type of stuff that just makes me happy. It really does. I also got someone on special might love professional wrestling because it's pre-planned and it involves routine. It's C-106, daily change, more information on that. But because of the routine that it gives us, it gives us the opportunity to perceive details and we have to analyze it. And to me, that's a big gift because we love to analyze. And believe me, professional wrestling is something for me to analyze and see how the choreography goes. Like, Because to me, when they're hitting the moves and all that, it's like a dance. They're dancing around. It's a structured dance that you've typically seen in a ballerina recital. But it's more manly, I guess, if that makes any sense. And to me, when you watch that, it's just so cool to see. It's cool to see all these possible effective moves that could go wrong if not planned right but it's also cool to see when it goes right and it's beautiful it paints a picture of pain and we all know in my opinion pain can sometimes be beautiful and that beautiful pain that's getting released it just makes me feel like a better person and a better man now according to wikipedia and my own knowledge the history of pro wrestling wwe began after the civil war at this time wrestlers with amateur wrestling styles would wrestle at circuses and carnivals, they also create unrealistic bios that did not include their competitiveness personas they had. In the late 19th, 20th century, wrestling was dominated by Mark Farmer Burns and Frank Gotch, who really changed the way that others saw professional wrestling. But sadly, though, after Gotch's retirement, professional wrestling was losing the interest of people around the world. However, after Luthez entered professional wrestling, the professional wrestling made a comeback and it grew the interest of many Americans. Due to that fact of grabbing so many Americans, they had to divide wrestling into territories such as NWA, Southeast Championship Wrestling, Worldwide Wrestling Championship Wrestling, and Memphis Championship Wrestling. But there were many more to know, and they each had their own big superstars. But the history of WWE, there was one of the territories, as I mentioned earlier, called Capital Wrestling. But the WWF, which was known as the World Wrestling Federation, as I mentioned earlier, they raised a client after Bruno San Martino was forced to leave the company. But the Reigns came back after Andre the Giant joined him. Vince McMahon Sr. also gave the company to Vince McMahon Jr. and his wife Linda McMahon around this time as well. When McMahon was given the company, he decided to compete with all the other territories. McMahon, with his sources, took the opportunity and took control of the WWF and the professional wrestling business and made it to one giant territory. And instead of being NWA and all... The Memphis Championship, it was now WWF all over the world. He gained more attraction when he signed Hulk Hogan, and after that, more AWA superstars were coming to work for Mr. McMahon. This era is called the Golden Age era. Then in 1992, more superstars were coming in and became not as known as its rival, WCW, and the era was known as the New Generation. 
Then despite everything in their power, WCW was on a two-year winning streak in the Monday Night Wars, which I'll mention later. So what McMahon did was create the Attitude Era, where WWE was turning to a family product to an adult entertainment-based company. Then after WWE won the war in 2002, the name WWF was changed to WWE, where wrestling has mainly focused on the entertainment perspective, but still focused on keeping us entertained of the show. Now, the reason why I like professional wrestling from a personal standpoint is, in my opinion, it has characters that I wish I could be because before my transformation into a stronger person and C-104 making friends again that grow for more information, I was lost and I did not know anything. I didn't know the world. I didn't understand it. But professional wrestling, as I said earlier, was my savior and it clicked with me and seeing all the moves was really cool because it reminded me of grabbing karate because at the time I was in Taekwondo and C-129, a black belt's journey for more information on that. But I knew doing punches and kicks and ways to defend myself. And it was cool. But this was grabbing karate. This is where I could like grab people, throw them down, hit them with a zigzag. I mean, I'll use all these professional wrestling moves that can really help me out in my self-defense. Because not only did I know karate, I studied and knew how professional wrestling was working. And now I could use feel much more of a better person as I felt safer and I know I could defend myself. But also, even though I cannot really be the characters, I'll be honest with you, as a child, probably every child does when they're into professional wrestling, I played them. But playing those characters was something special to me because seeing the confidence in myself and seeing how the characters lived in my childhood made me have the confidence when I was playing them. It was basically phase one of the new Sam, and it was just a preview of it is what you can call it, or a trailer of it. But I can never thank WWE enough for helping me doing that. As they say, then, now, and forever, I always will thank WWE for giving me that confidence. They don't understand how much I could think. Like, right now, I get on every wrestler, kiss their knees, and kiss their feet because of the characters they played and the confidence they gave me because I am so, so, so grateful for that. That's, you're the reason, WWE, why I think I made it through my childhood or lots of the reasons why. I mean, there are other reasons, obviously, but you're one of the main reasons I can never thank you enough for the support you unintentionally gave me. Now, also according to Wikipedia, the scope of professional wrestling is so big, it's become popular in North America and Japan, along with being popular in Europe. And believe it or not, the scope can be autism because we sometimes want to be popular in every aspect of our lives. And sometimes we think we are popular, but sadly, it's only us that thinks that. Because every person wants to be a popular person. I mean, we do. But sometimes an Aspie thinks they're popular and they can come across as arrogant. I thought that my sophomore year to grow confidence. But, and really, I regret that. I, I don't have a lot of life regrets. So that was one life regret of mine is being so confident to the point where it turned to arrogance. And I knew, based on that and what I saw, how people would act around me, I knew that I was only thinking I was popular. And that really did bother me, but I'm glad it happened because I did start becoming, maybe not popular, but respected. Because they knew who I was, they knew how I was going to be, and I'm starting to finally get the respect through the podcast, but I think now people are starting to see that, hey, he's here too. He's actually kind of cool, and he can be popular, but you got to give him the chance to be the type of guy who's going to wear this flashy robe and flashy glasses type person. Now, the another definition we need to hear or another basic of professional wrestling is kayfabe. It is a time where they actually use real or true events and incorporate that into the character. In terms, it is basically an actor breaking character on the set. Kayfabe is used that in relationships, feuds, and gimmicks. 
This can be autism because we like to keep things real too and not fake. But not with you guys, but with ourselves. Because we know we are and who we get to be and who we are. I mean, we get to know that. That's the beauty of life. We could create our own selves. We get to create our own way of human. We get to create the human version of ourselves. And to me, that is a beauty because we get to show everyone what are my individual talents, what are your individual talents, and how can we work together. And to me, that is a life beauty that everyone should see and should even take it for take for granted because that's the one thing that makes life so beautiful and makes the sun rise as well. But for more information on kayfabe, I'm going to have my good friend Al Snow explain it more. To hear Al Snow's explanation, look at the first video below as you will learn what is, the, what is the true meaning of kayfabe. Now, something else I'd like to talk about is the general structure of professional wrestling. So the general structure of a wrestling match contains two or more competitors and is contained in a square-shaped wrestling ring with foam padding with three ring ropes and a turnbuckle. It also has an elevated square canvas. The ring also features a cloth apron hanging over the edges of the ring. For safety reasons, the ring ropes are padded with turnbuckles and there are soft mats outside the ring to protect the wrestlers laying on concrete floors. There are also some sorts of barricade and the audience to separate the wrestler from the audience. To me, this is autism because of our unique processing. We do take information in a different way and perspective because a wrestling ring from my description may look like a sloppy pigsty mess. But to me, it looks perfect and comprehensible and it looks like a clean room. So we all perceive things so differently that my description may have made sense to one person, may have not to the other. And that's okay because maybe we can explain in a different way where you will understand. You're the only one who could put the words together in your own crossword. And to me, that's another beauty of life because we get to show how we process information. And when we process and finally have the eureka moment when we figure it out, we finally get to solve a mini puzzle that we've been working at for a long time. But there is more because in every wrestling match, there's always a referee to make sure everyone follows the rules and declares a winner. This is autism because Aspies either need or can be the reinforcement. We need the reinforcement for our own comfort in life and know that we will make it and be fine. But that being said, we can also be the reinforcement to protect somebody because Aspies tend to have a big heart and we have no fear of defending the weak. And Aspies can keep everything in line. We have the power to keep everything in line and be, maybe not I would say a demanding butthole, but to be a boss. We have the right to be a leader. We can help everyone. We can take the responsibility of someone else's and put the pressure on us. We have no problem doing that because that just gives us more motivation to lift the dumbbell over our heads and it shows us how much stronger our muscles are growing mentally because then when we grow more mentally, we just become more sharp. And when we grow more sharp as a strong person, we get to have a stronger brain and have a stronger way of protecting people. And then we probably have the way of protecting someone like a police officer does. And that, to me, just keeps growing and growing because we just get to show why we are really strong human beings and why we are so powerful as well. And when we are the referees of the world, I strongly suggest you do not get in our way because we do not care if we have to run over you in order to protect someone. If we have to do that, then so be it. We have to do what we have to do in life. And if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Because I will protect someone with my own life. And if I am loyal to them, I don't care if the other person is another loyal person of mine. Whoever I am loyal to, 
you got the privilege of being protected by your one and truly. And that will be the way for everyone else as well. I don't care who you are. You better not mess around because they will be protected. And I can promise you that because I will become the reinforcement that I need to become. The next thing I want to talk about for professional wrestling is the ways to win. Because in wrestling, or in professional wrestling really, there are eight ways to win. The first way to win is by pinfall. And it's the most common way of defeating someone. The wrestler must pin their shoulders on the mat while the referee slaps the mat three times or does the three count. A count really starts any time a wrestler's shoulders are down. The way to get out of a pin attempt is to kick out with both shoulders up. This is somebody on the spectrum because we are pinned 24-7 and we have to keep kicking out. It really, to me, is like a bunch of members of society pointing us to a wall or pinning us down to the ground because we have to keep kicking out, kicking out of the two counts. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. And it's just like that for us 24-7 because no one thinks we can do anything. And I'm starting to see improvement that we don't have to kick out as much, but we're starting to kick out of the pin attempts, and we shouldn't have to do that. We should be able to walk without worrying about society tackling us down or giving us disadvantages because we can do it. We can, we can. So if you want to keep pinning us, you're wasting your time because we'll keep kicking out at two, and then eventually you'll get so tired of us that we'll go to the three count. So I'm telling you, don't pin us down because we can do it. I promise you we can. If you don't believe me, then I'll have to show you. And then I think you'll believe me after that. The next way you can win is by a submission, where the wrestler has put an opponent in a submission hold where they must either make the other guy verbally give up or he makes his opponent tap out. The only way you can get out of a submission is to fight out of it or you crawl and grab the bottom rope and do a rope break. If the wrestler grabs the bottom rope, a person locking in the submission must let go by the count of five or they are disqualified, which I'll mention in later. And sadly, despite a variety of wrestlers such as Bret Hart and Kurt Angle becoming noticed for making opponents tap out, the submission way to win is sadly fading. And this is autism for two reasons, actually. The first reason is we as these are anyone with a disability can submit and tap out because I feel like we are locked in and do not have the power to get out of the hold. When we are trapped in a hold or trapped like a rat running around a maze, it is hard not to tap because the pressure keeps it going and going and going. To the point where it hurts and it's so much pain. It really does hurt. The pain hurts, man. The mental pain leaves me scars and wounds. And that's sad to me. And when we are running around that maze, we can't help it but to maybe tap out or say, I'm done. Because it's so hard. But you know what? Maybe the next time we get out, we'll reboot it. We'll know how to get out of it. And in the moment, we just tapped out temporarily. We didn't tap out permanently. We didn't quit. We just had to get out of the pain so that way we can create the way to resolve our pain and that way we can make our own medicine. Bonus reason is that I think someone without a disability thinks we fade and we are supposed to be in the background and that our empire is small. But that is far from the truth. We have an empire that is only growing secretly and it's getting bigger secretly. When you see us in the back, you might think our Aspie empire is fading and fading and fading out to the point where you will never be able to see us. But in a way, it just grows an inch every day and every day. And it will get to the point where it will grow into a mountaintop and you will be at the bottom with only having 200 feet. But we'll be at the top having a million feet above air. And we will get to the point where the mountain will get tired and it will stay there forever and ever and ever. And we, you will be in the submission hold. We will no longer be in that submission hold. Now, the third way to win, which is the next one, is... TKO or a technical knockout. 
It is when another wrestler makes another wrestler pass out. The referee will usually raise the hand three times. And if the wrestler who is in the submission does not respond and keeps their hand up, then he has officially passed out and the other wrestler is declared the winner. This rule is mainly used for safety reasons as the referee makes sure you will not be in the hospital, fake or real, even sometimes, I think. And to me, this does not show autism, but shows someone passing out from an anxiety attack, neurotypical or not. And C109, Autistic Butterflies, more formation. But I think if we were to wrestle our nerves, the nerves would win by technical knockout because the nerves keep going and going. I know how it feels to have really bad anxiety because you just don't know. And when the technical hole is locking you, it tries to prevent you from not knowing. And it makes you want to pass out because your body can't take it anymore. And we can't do that anymore. I mean, we have to fight out of that submission hole. So we do not have to pass out. And maybe we get to see what the result does turn into, whether it's good or bad. So I'm praying if we have to be in a TKO or hold, please do not pass out. Because one, I don't want to take you to the hospital and put you on a ventilator. But another reason is I want you to see the result and maybe see that everything is okay, possibly. Maybe it's not. Maybe you can't help it. I mean, I know people who've had anxiety attacks, but it's best to fight it. That way you don't have to be fully deprived and not see what is coming towards your way. And if you can't help it, we understand that. But just understand that it's not really a sign of weakness. It's just a sign that you need some help. The next way a wrestler could win, or the fourth reason, is a countout. It is a type of decision where the wrestler or wrestlers are out of the ring long past the referee's 10 count. The way to avoid this type of decision is to get back in the ring before the referee's 10 count. Wrestlers can sometimes melt the count, which is where a wrestler slides in and back out of the ring. It can be used as a way to take a breath or to frustrate an opponent, and in my opinion, a count is a fair barricade because Aspies need fair barricades so that we can grow and know. And that's kind of a funny phrase, grow and know. Grow and know. Grow and no, no, no. Grow and know. But anyway, we need to grow and know what is right and wrong. And we can learn the light barriers that exist in the world like anyone else does. But it may take a little longer. But I need to tell the parents something. Because parents, you need to teach them with peace and patience. Because I don't cook right now. And I don't know if I ever will. And I don't even drive right now. But do you know what I have? I have the most understanding and patient parents alive. Because... They get that it is hard for me. I mean, I know I have to do it at the end of the day, but I know I'll do it with help and perseverance. And if I fail, they'll just pick me back up and we'll pull back together as a family. And to me, that's what is the most helpful part of teaching a life skill. So yes, it will be hard, but we have to be able to do it. I mean, that's just the bottom line because Stone Cold said so, but we have to teach it the proper way and the most peaceful way you know, or if you put the pressure on them, then they will shut down. I mean, if I didn't have the understanding of most patient parents alive, I would shut down and not do it. I mean, you would have to drag me to the kitchen. But I know that you can find the peace and patience in you. And it may be hard to find it, but you have to find it to get the right and proper end results. And the fifth way to win is forfeit. Although rare, it has happened, is when a pony eater does not show up or does, but refuses to compete. The way to avoid this way is pretty simple. Just show up and do your job. But more often, instead of going through the forfeiting process, they just find replaceables. A forfeit typically happens when a wrestler cannot make it due to a certain reason. Even though it does not happen much, it does happen. Because on Raw's War, December 8th, 1997, Stone Cold Steve Austin decided to forfeit a championship to The Rock after refusing to defend the title. However, what I did not mention was Austin's forfeit was due to wanting some bigger and better opportunities. 
this can be options because even though we have to forfeit, like in Austin's case, it doesn't mean we are not capable of something else. And who knows, it might be bigger and better because even though we have to forfeit something in life, that doesn't mean we can't do it still. Just may have to wait another time or maybe get something a little better. We may get an upgrade or another level of something. And if we get that, that's pretty cool in my opinion. So even though we missed on this small opportunity, let's look ahead for the next bigger opportunity coming to us. And that's the only thing we can really do. Then the sixth way to win is a draw where no one wins and the match ends up in a tie. The way to avoid losing this way is simple. Follow the rules, people. But sometimes you cannot. It just happens. I do understand that. But however, an intentional draw happens when no one follows the rules. Like when Undertaker and Brock Lesnar brawl in 2002, where it turned to a fight, basically. And look at the second video below if you wish to see what I am talking about. Another way a draw can happen is when both wrestlers cannot beat the referee's 10 count. An example of this would be when Randy Orton fought the Big Show in 2012. Look at the third video to see that match. Another way a draw can happen is when both wrestlers win at the same time. A match where this happened is in the same year of 2012 when CM Punk and John Cena fought and they both won. Look to see in the show notes and figure out if the referee made the right decision. The final way is, and he asked me to say like an old person, when back in the day, matches had time limits and if the time limit was expired, then the match ended in a draw. A draw can represent autism because to me is what I want the world to be where everyone's a winner no matter how famous or popular you are because in life we have winners sadly and we have losers. I want it to be where the point to where everyone can win. Everyone who is homeless is still a winner because that's what I feel like. Everyone who has one leg still a winner but society doesn't see it like that and I wish society would get their head out of their butt sometimes and see that everyone is a winner. Everyone can do something. We all have the powers to combine and do our own talents. I mean, they may not be what you consider the N-word, which is normal, but it's still a talent. Let's tap into that skill and let's grow on that skill instead of pushing that skill down and saying, Ew, that talent's not right at all. Eh. Then we have the seventh way to win, which is no contest. It is a decision where no one wins and where the previous decisions I said are not able to happen. The way to avoid this you cannot sometimes as life itself get in the way. It happens by a constant interference. The referee cannot control the match anymore. Where an injury happens during the match and no one can compete. This happened recently this year actually when Goldberg fought Bobby Lashley. And after the match Goldberg suffered a knee injury and the referee called for the bell. And this is classic autism because as I said life gets in the way. It happens all the time outside the ring. For a younger Aspie person it's hard for someone to get used to that change. And our solution is we make constant new plans and we just keep making constant plans from A to B to C, D, E, F, G, H, I, and we go all the way to Z. And we probably don't even stop there. We probably go all the way to ZZ. And then probably me, I'm going to go to ZZ Top. Just a little rock joke there if you guys are rock fans. But anyway, we just keep making the plans. We don't care how much we go. We'll go to the infinite if we have to. We'll go all the way in space and keep making the plans and drawing them out. We won't stop until we know that the plans are in place and we know that one of those plans will work and we get to act upon it. And that to me makes me and any other Aspies feel really, 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 and I mean really comfortable to the point where they can actually be relaxed for once. The final way wins by DQ or a disqualification is a type of decision where one or more of the wrestlers breaks the rules and the result is the wrestler automatically loses who did it. The way to avoid a DQ decision is to not do any illegal holds 
intentionally injure your opponent, get caught with outside interference, use a weapon or a banned move, purposefully put hands on the referee, and hit the opposite gender intentionally in a mixed tag team match as well. And this is autism because others may see this as cheating. There could be an argument for that. But to me, you're just using your resources. And I do not understand why society sometimes disqualifies us for using our resources. You might call it the easy way out, but I call it a shortcut to get to the top because we will get to the top no matter what it takes. And that includes some disqualification ways. Then again, that's what we have to do. I mean, we use resources, which is going to the resource room, having someone come and checking on us, whatever the case might be. But yet society thinks, oh, no, you can't do that. Ding, 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 ding. That's a disqualification. That's really dumb. No, it's not. It's using a resource to help us become more successful to the point where we may not need it even anymore to where we can win the pinfall way. When we use that resource, we use it with gratefulness and pride because we're so thankful for it or anyone with a disability should be thankful for that resource because that's what they're there for. They're here to help you. They're here to gain you more attention and gain you more knowledge to the point where your pedestal will just keep rising and rising and rising. And at the bottom, your resource will definitely be there to be thanked and you can thank them at the end of the day because they'll be part of the reason why you're on the top of that pedestal. The next rule I think that I need to mention is the champion's advantage. This is only in use when a match with a title and it is where unlike one-on-one matches, the champion can cheat and get counted out and get disqualified and retain the championship. To me, this is unfair, but what are you going to do? Complain to Mr. McMahon? and try to change it. No, that won't work. This is anyone who's in a situation where you believe life is not a fair situation. And some with a disability, I do not believe that sometimes our lives are not fair. We still have that barricade. But to me, what are you going to do? There's no sense of complaining. It ain't going to change nothing. And it gets you nowhere. But parents, in my opinion, you cannot hide that barricade. You need to tell about it. You need to explain the disadvantages to your child's ability that no one else will recognize. If you do not explain and hide it from them, it's not understandable. They're not going to understand. They're going to think they're worthless. But if you tell them, they'll understand why. And I did complain. You know, I kept complaining. Why are they excluding me? Why? Why am I autistic? <laughs> why? I mean, I did do that. I'm not going to lie. Every child has done that. But do you know what? I finally learned. I learned what's the point because it's not changing nothing. Nothing's happening. And if I had to lose a quarter every time I would complain... There'll be lots of quarters going away because I can't change what I have. You can change the way people perceive it, Granton, but you can't change what you have and you'll never be able to. That's just the truth. So I encourage you to embrace the challenge and embrace the truth that you consider a disability because in the end, the only person who can change the way you think is you and the way who can only change the way you perceive something is you, but you have the right to persuade others to see what is beyond that disability. Now, what the next thing we need to talk about is the tag team rules because when we get into the tag team rules, they're a little different in that, in that it's only one member from each team must be in the ring and wrestle like a solid singles match. But they want to enter and exit the ring. They must tag in or tag out. And the illegal person has five seconds to exit the ring and stay on the apron. However, you can do some double teaming before the referee gets to five seconds. This to me shows Aspies because of our teamwork skills. Because if we are with the right person, we can make what's known as the dream team. You may not think we might not be able to be a good fit in your team, but we can be a good fit in your team. We can make the dream team and basically combine our skills with others' skills. We have the right to do it. We just don't have the chance to be shown that we can do it. 
and we need those chances. And that's another bottom line because Stone Cold said so truth. And I also want to mention that wrestlers are required to keep the entertainment side because each pro wrestling company must tell a story which tells an analog of episodes from the start to a finish. There will also be added elements to the story, which are wages, maybe. The wages can go from their hair to their job. That is not all. The, the wrestler must also give promos, which is an in-character talk or interview. The purpose of a promo is to elevate the story or a feud. This can be somewhat on the spectrum because sometimes Aspies love to act and play characters for themselves. The characters we create, though, are for a purpose. They are designed to play someone we cannot be in the real world. And that's true because if you think about it, there are a lot of people who have done that. Eminem has done it. He's created the real Slim Shady for himself. I mean, I guess he's more aggressive than the real Eminem, but that's a character who has he played and he gives him more confidence. He can't play that in the real life probably, but he plays it when he's singing and I like that character. I know from America's Got Talent, Bonavega, that was a character that the guy himself created, and it gave him more confidence because his parents were strict, obviously, but that character gave him more confidence, and look at him now. He's probably one of the biggest stars. Maybe not he is, but Bonavega is. And another case in point, Mick Foley, my favorite superstar. He created multiple egos that probably he couldn't play. I mean, he probably can't play Do Love in real life or Mankind in real life. He probably has it in him, even though he's probably one of the humblest people there's probably some mental illness in him because of that character he played. Maybe he studied a little bit of mental illness. I don't know. But it's definitely in him, and it definitely created him success. Mick Foley has his own success, but Mankind, Cactus Jack, and Do Love have their own level of success because of that character he created. And to me, creating characters is probably one of the most fun things to do in life, but having it come with a benefit too, that's just even better. Now, the next thing I want to talk about in professional wrestling, it is a catchphrase, which is a repetitive phrase that keeps getting the audience's attention and is a representation of who you are in and out of the WWE. The fans will cheer or boo you if you are saying it. Sometimes we'll chant it because of its catchiness. The goal of a catchphrase is to make the audience feel like they are more than just fans. It is like what Miz said on WWE Countdown. It is to make them feel like they are part of the show. The WWE catchphrase really clicked in the late Attitude Era. According to Chris Jericho on Countdown, the best catchphrases are the ones you say, and then the next week people have them on as signs as a term of endearment toward you. It is in a way a gift for the audience, so they can get something new to say. According to R-Truth, the phrase also needs to be something that you feel and it makes sense and feel like you can say it every time you're in the moment. Catchphrases always to get a reaction, and this can be obvious because of our honesty and bluntness. As C-102, honesty versus bluntness for more information, but what we say gets a reaction. I mean, whether it's me and us or the blunt, it just gets your attention like that. And that's kind of the end goal. So maybe that's why I'm blunt because I kind of, not to go on a harsh year, but I don't really care because it gets your attention. I mean, I know it's hard to say sometimes to say the truth, but it gets your attention. Sometimes I think it can make you think a little bit. And even when we're honest, I think it makes you think a little bit, just a little more politer than the blunt way, which is a little meaner. Now, according to WWE Countdown, I want to give some more examples of catchphrases. So the top catchphrases are, number 10 is, what you gonna do? The main catchphrase with Hulk Hogan. In the 80s, Hulk Hogan was a superhero come to life, really. The best and funny part was no one knew until you were in the ring with Hogan what he meant when he said, what you gonna do? According to Mr. McMahon, some of his promos were out of the box. And I can agree with that because Hulk Hogan left us hanging. What also made the catchphrase was the charisma he had. 
This is someone that's special because we can be charismatic as well with hyperness and having ADHD or something else sometimes. But we also can back it up with our talents. And when we back it up, it just shows what we are going to do. And then number nine is, can you dig it, sucker? This is the catchphrase for Booker T. It was over the top, but it fit in perfectly. According to the man himself, he said that it came from the 70s movie, The Warriors. And Booker also stated that young kids know him due to that one phrase. Also, he says that phrase fiercely and powerfully. The pool's part is you can do it, but not duplicate it. Not even Goldust can. Look at the fourth video below to see what I mean. The catchphrase was him, just turn up a couple notches. This is autism because according to Booker T, he said, go out and make an impact while being different. And that is what my podcast really encourages because I want everyone right now try to go out, make an impact while being different because you can make the impact. You just have to find the strength to do it. And number eight catchphrase would be the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. It is a catchphrase for Bret Hart. It fit in because he believed it, but he also showed it. Also, he can make you believe that phrase while watching him wrestle. According to Bret Hart, the catchphrase was inspired by an old baseball movie. The first time he used it was on episode of TNT, Tuesday Night Titans, when he said the Hart Foundation is the best it was, the best there is, and the best there ever will be. And from then on, Bret took that phrase with him. There is also debate that this phrase is true if you are a huge Bret Hart fan. This is autism because we might start to say something like Hart did, and when we said it once, and it's fun to say for us, we'll take it with us as well. Because next thing you know, we might be saying, doodles or me and next thing you know we're taking that phrase with us and it means something to us it may not mean something to you but it means something to us the next phrase we want to talk about is the undertakers which is or which is number seven which is rest in peace it is the undertaker's famous catchphrase and the best part is no matter how many times you heard the undertaker say rest in peace to me it is still scary if you hear mick foley and c145 gain hardcore with mick foley more information but he said on countdown he literally rested in peace with his famous match against the undertaker and when he says it boy oh boy he means it after he pins you like you are laying in a casket then he really does mean it and he has been around since 1990 but the phrase is still prevalent to this day this is odd just because disabilities are becoming more prevalent we have went to being institutionalized to being aware this is not the end for us this is only the beginning because we will now get to the term where we are accepting and the next phrase for us, or number six, is DX's, which is SUCK IT! And it is the main catchphrase for DX. The funny part was Shawn Michaels and Triple H were saying that in real life to each other. And like Bret Hart, they brought their phrase with them. The first time was on episode of Raw's War in 1998, where Sergeant Slaughter demanded DX to show them some respect, and they did not, and instead told him they respected him. They told him that phrase. Plus, it is easy to remember, so... You know if you're talking about wrestling catchphrases, this one will pop up in your head. It was also perfect timing for that phrase to be in the Attitude Era as some Americans were thinking like degenerates. But they were inclusive, as Road Dogg said from Countdown, you could join anytime. And what I'm trying to sum up is what Billy Gunn said in WWE Countdown, and that is, it caught on. The funny part is some people who watched the X said suck it to their teachers and got detention or suspended. It was also for non-wrestlers as friends were staying in and also doing the crotch chop. Although it is not right to say, you kind of had to admit it's been stoned in the world of professional wrestling. This is an aspect because of our rebellious side. We are brave and that courage is good and bad. It takes us to the end of the rainbow or it can take us back to the starting line and get us in trouble. Because the courage that we have takes us 
sometimes crosses the line or sometimes it's at the line people admire for. It just depends on what the circumstances are. Then our next phrase is, if you smell what the rock is cooking. This is the main catchphrase for the rock. This catchphrase was entertaining and anyone could do it. He also made others because he was one catchphrase machine. According to Christian on Countdown, the rock has the power to make anything a catchphrase. He could make tie my shoe a catchphrase. Also, the line was really not as cool as the way he said it with the hyping up and the tongue flipping like or but the fans really bought into it and like Undertaker's phrase, it is still recognized to this day. It's gotten so big that former President Barack Obama has used it. And to me, this shows that this phrase must be big in Hollywood too. This is someone on the spectrum because sometimes we not only say, but also do actions that can elevate something. When we do the action that elevates the thing, to me, that shows our creativeness and our smartness as well. And our next phrase would be from Stone Cold Steve Austin, which is, Give me a hell yeah. This phrase showed, I do not care if you like me or hate me, but I demand respect. According to Brodus Clay on Countdown, he said, give me a hell yeah. was basically their way of saying, with you, please kick this guy's butt for us. And it also fired himself up and the audience. So it was a win-win situation. Like The Rock, I bet he could say anything. This phrase also represented Austin as he believed that this is Austin because like Austin, Aspies also demand respect. It's like when I once heard, you don't have to like me but you better treat me with respect. It is the right thing to do, but also if you choose not to, then you're wasting your time because we really do not care. And even we understand when the bullying is happening sometimes and when it's not, still bully us. Why would you waste your time if we don't realize it as well? Our next phrase is John C's, which is, you can't see me. And according to seeing the inspiration was from his brother and a song came out, where he was just putting his face in his hand most repeatedly. Cena chose to do that on television, but added the swinging side to side theatrix. The funny thing is other people in the sports industry do it too. It's also ironic because we can see you especially with your bright colored shirt, Cena. So no offense, Cena. But also according to Cena on Countdown, he stated that the phrase means that you are not on my level. There are so many little kids doing it that I lost count. Even I did because I did it once and John Cena pointed at me when I did it. That was kind of cool. But anyway, this is autism to me because we do not like trends. We are eccentric as we choose what we want to do. And heck, we might even make up our own trends. So this is, you can't see me is really a trend. I don't like that trend. I think it's just kind of dumb. So sorry, Cena, but I just do not like it. So I might create my own trend to replace it. So in reality, the trend, I don't like it. So I'm sorry, but I'm eccentric. I choose not to do it. Our next phrase is, yes, yes, yes. The main catchphrase for Daniel Bryan, what makes it good is like DX's, it is also simple. According to Bryan from Countdown, the inspiration was after he won the championship, he became very obnoxious about it, kept saying yes or yeah. It became even more popular in March 2012 as more people got behind the yes chant. He usually puts his fingers up and goes down the ring doing it. His other one is no, no, no. He used this when he was an angry person and blamed everyone for no respect. This is obvious because we can be obnoxious sometimes and annoying like this catchphrase is. But when we are annoying, sometimes we realize it and just do it kind of to have a little fun with you. <laughs> But sometimes we do not realize that they are. And it's hard to see when we are being annoying because of our lack of understanding social cues. But we can understand it. You just may have to show us and explain why it's wrong. And the biggest catchphrase of all is, Woo! Which is Ric Flair's. It is a sentence interrupter. When Flair says it, he is getting into what he is doing. Whether that be a promo or into a match. It got so popular because everyone say it if someone mentioned the name Ric Flair. 
Also, there has even been a woo-off. If you look at the fifth video below, it is Ric Flair, Kurt Angle having one, so woo, you should check it out. Finally, to this day, if you chop an opponent on the chest, you will get a woo. This is autism because of being in a sense interrupter. We can also interrupt and talk over you, and I work on it, but when you have not been heard most of your life, it's hard not to because you feel like you have to be heard, and that's the only way to get heard. It's rude to you, but to us, it's the only thing that we can do. The next thing I want to talk about is the ring entrance. It is a way to get to the ring with theme music and music that will be played when they enter the arena. The way to add flair is by having pyro, visual graphics, drive a vehicle into the arena, have a distinct sound, darker and lighten the arena, have a costume that shows the representation of the character, enter in a certain mannerism or behavior, talk to the crowd in a distinctive manner, look in the mirror, enter through the crowd, be accompanied by security, use an elevator lift, enter through a zip line, or do a special one-time entrance. It is certainly an adrenaline rush that is indescribable to explain. You first must make a good first impression and make them believe in you from then on. Also, a good in-ring entrance includes the superstar responding well to the music. It can also be an alarm for the wrestlers as it helps them know it is time to go to work. This is some with a disability because disabled people like to make their presence known. They like to get the attention of others in an effective way. As I mentioned with the snapping of getting your attention, we have to get it in a certain way or otherwise we will not be recognized. And whatever we will do, whatever it takes to get attention from you. I mean, we won't cross the line, obviously, but we'll go to the line, if that makes any sense. And at the end, we know we will get your attention because we will not stop until we do. Now, according to WWE Countdown, I want to mention some more entrances because the top 10 ring entrances are... Number 10 is the Sandman. The Sandman entrance happened in ECW. What stood for this entrance was you did not need anything fancy or high-tech gear. You really just need cigarettes and beer. According to Mick Foley on Countdown, he says Sandman kept people on edge and out of their seats for six to eight minutes. He also bled before the match began due to him smashing beer over his head. Also, he was one of the fans because people did join him as people would be trying to get the sips of beer. It was fun to experience. Also, you did not see this in any other wrestling promotion, so the entrance had attraction in its playbook. Now, this really does represent autism, but I just want to say this. I'm not going to say no to drugs or not even promote them at all. I am just going to say it is your choice, but you still have to function, and no matter who you are, everyone needs to respect your decision. I don't care if you're a smoker or if you make the choice to smoke, but you need to still have a life, and everyone needs to respect that decision, no matter if they're against it or with it. The next entrance is Gold Dust. His entrance was one of a kind because at the time his character was unique and bizarre. He's important. He wore a blonde wig and feather bows before he would do a match. Not only that, he was painted gold all over himself. The way Goldust described his entrance on Countdown is a living Oscar. This can be autism because of the music. The music, which if you look at the sixth video below, is the music for Goldust. It sounds like someone is transgender or cannot figure out their identity. To me, someone on the spectrum has a hard time finding their identity physically or mentally. I did not know how I was going to turn out, but I knew at the end of the day it was going to be okay. Now I want to tell anyone who's having a hard time finding their identity that it will be okay. You'll find who you are. Just play around and experiment with yourself and then you will know. The next person or the next entrance is the Ultimate Warrior. The entrance was like somebody getting shot out of a cannon or getting the bullet power up on Mario Kart. He was the king of intensity and he ran 100 yards to get to the ring. And people saw this and it got their attention before the match began. Check out the seventh video below to see the amazing warrior music. And then he would do some rope shaking as well. 
It was also an experience that you could see and you'd be talking about the rush you saw at home. This is autism because of our energy as well. We can bring our energy to something we love. The energy that we give when we are working on our future skills, to me, it is incredible. When we work on our skills, we put 110% into it and the percents just keep going because we know what we want to do. And hey, we're not changing our mind because we will do it. We do what we love, like everyone else does. The next entrance is of Chris Jericho. According to Paul Heyman on Countdown, he's stating that Chris Jericho understands the dynamics on how to hook in the attention and make himself known. He has pyro and a five-second countdown, and when you see those two items, you know what you are about to get. Some would say his entrance is flashing over the top. You also see the mannerism holding his arms out and spinning around. He has been able to keep the same music because it creates emotion and his constant ability to reinvent himself. What is funny, according to Chris Jericho himself, he doesn't know the lyrics to his own song. He only knows when he hears the wall of Jericho's, that's when the song is about to end. This is autism because sometimes what people say to me is like a foreign language. So like Chris Jericho not knowing his lyrics, sometimes I don't understand the lyrics. I don't, do not understand because of the simplicity of the statement or the complication of the statement. So when you say some kind of simple, it can fly by our heads or complicated. It could be like us trying to solve an impossible 5,000 puzzle. The next entrance is Rey Mysterio. The entrance matches Mysterio's persona and energy. He exploded out of the ground with an elevator lift that launched him and he always landed perfectly on his feet. He was like an eagle. This is autism because you may not see it, but we have the power to fly and be inspirational. And C-120 spread our wings for more information, but we have the power to fly our wings. When we fly, we are also the best version of ourselves. We have the thing that God has on his head when he, like the circle thing. And when we have that on our head, we're the best versions of ourselves. And if we aren't that, we'll make one, believe me. And the next entrance is Triple H. Okay, first of all, you should pause and look at the 8th video below and hear his music because it is rock and metal together. When his music hits, everyone goes insane and it feels like a baddie. His motion and intensity fits his character as well. It also has the element of a well-oriented wrestler presentation. He also has the green lightning. Also, I love it when he spits the H2O like a fire-breathing dragon, except it's more of a water-breathing dragon, technically. But anyways, I have learned myself to do it. And this is autism because of teaching myself to do something. Sometimes people on Spectrum like to be taught but sometimes they themselves had to be the teacher. No one understands how my brain really operates like myself. And when we had to teach something and someone tries to teach it, some stuff they just say, it just may not work at the end. Whatever you say will not comprehend. So in a way, the only way that we had to make sense of it is we had to make sense of it ourselves. And we taught and teach ourselves to see what really goes into it and to find a way that makes sense only to us. The next entrance is Goldberg. He is the first superstar to have security effect, and he has awesome music. Look at the ninth video below to hear his awesome music. They also followed him from the backstage to the arena. It was probably the most manliest entrance because even men would say this is pretty cool. His presence was amazing too because he was a force to be recognized. Also, the coolest part was the pyro was hitting him, and he breathed the smoke from the pyro. He really came out like a fighter. Everyone was inspired. Even Chris Jericho tried it. Look at the tent video below to see how he did. This entrance represents autism because of my manliness. You know, I am a man, I believe, who enjoys manly things. And I think like any other male species on Earth, I should enjoy them too. Just because we're autistic doesn't mean we can't do some of the manly things like do a mechanic, hunt, fish. Just because we have autism does not mean we still can't do it. We just might need help with some certain aspects of it. But it doesn't mean we cannot do it and we have to be bound and never go in the woods or never go to the pond. That's false. We can do it. Trust me. We 
and do it. I don't care how manly it is or how tough it seems. We have the mind mentally to do it. Our next entrance is Stone Cold Steve Austin. After you heard the sound of the glass break, here comes Steve Austin with his strut mannerism. That said, he was coming to handle business all the time. It was a loud roar and involved a smash and the guitar music, along with the rebellious theme. And it's really my, the intro to my podcast, if you think of it. And the music was really Austin. This represents autism because we handle business and I will not stop until the business is done. But parents, you need to explain the importance of letting go. I had to teach myself that because while I was making notes, and it's still long notes, believe me, it has, it's 35 pages, I couldn't stop. I was going to get done, but I finally had to taught myself to stop. If I didn't, I would have been tired, cranky, and I realized what the cons were, and the cons were not worth it. The pro of getting some good night's sleep and relaxing and being able to refresh was more of a pro to me, and it was more worth it than continuing and basically torturing myself because I felt like I had to. The next entrance is DX. The music gets you pumped, really. Look at the 11th video below to get pumped up. According to Kofi Kingston, it is one of the best because there are many aspects to the entrance, to the music, to the way they present themselves as well. The audience interaction really helped the entrance grow. Also, the pyre was cool because it exploded in the shape of an X. Their entrance was a concert. To me, this is an aspect because in my podcast, I want to show that there are many aspects to my life other than autism. There is podcaster obviously but there's also a businessman there's also a fisher a designer a helper a person who wants to be inspirational a conversational person but autism is not one and it's not the full picture there's more to me you just need to know me to figure it out and then the best entrance of all is the undertaker one of the wrestlers to use a distinctive sound as an entrance as he chose the sound of a gong when you hear the gong in wwe undertaker is coming what made it best was the music and the lightning but also, they have the perfect guy to give this entrance to. Plus, the audience goes nuts. Also, everyone is scared and this entrance is an experience. And you're just in awe every time you hear it. It's also sort of scary and a horror movie has come to life. This could be an Aspie because people might see us as a horror movie due to our unpredictability and our non-approachable nature. But deep down, we have a soft side. And we really just want the opportunity to show the soft side. I mean, you may think that we're the scary, big, bad monster who can't socialize with anyone. But really, guys, I'm telling you, we just want the chance to be one of the boys and one of you, but just in a different way. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is the finisher in professional wrestling. It is the move that a professional wrestler typically ends with. According to Miz on WWE Countdown, the wrestler uses the finisher to beat his opponent. It is a move that the audience wants to see before the match ends. The key is to having a great finisher and must grab the fans' attention. Every time you use it, the audience can be a part of the setup before the wrestler uses their finisher. The move also must be noticed to where children try to move on their siblings or on a family member. Now, don't, they say don't try at home, just be safe in my opinion. Also, you have to be able to do it surprisingly, and it can be effective on anyone. If your finisher is effective, then your audience will know when the match is ending. This can be autism because we might use our finisher. People think it is a one-time deal, and we cannot stay at the top like The Undertaker did over 30 years. That's not true. I don't mean we're not going to hit stunners, but when we have our moment, We'll just go back down is what people think. And we go down the escalator. That's not true. We actually go up the elevator and we just stay at the top because the finisher will be used and used and used and used. And we'll keep getting these finisher type moments and we'll just keep staying at the top. Now, according to WWE Countdown, the top 10 finishes are number 10 is the DDT. The finisher was used by Jake the Snake Roberts. Honestly, when Roberts used it, no one got up. According to Michael Hayes on Countdown, it looked like you face planted and got a broken neck. The legend on how this was invented was by an accident because Roberts had Dan Langton in a front face lock. 
and Dante inadvertently tripped on his back, and Roberts went down with him, and Roberts landed on his back, and that was when the DDT was born. This move is based on impact, as Roberts once said, short ride, bad landing. He revolutionized because according to Mick Foley, he said back in the day, it was about lifting some, but Roberts used momentum. His setup was spinning his pointy finger, like Gippy Kaye, I guess is what I didn't know what it meant. Then people knew it was coming. And the cool part is after people saw it, others came along and put different spins on that one maneuver. People have used it still, but not as effective in my opinion as Roberts used it. He understood the art of the move perfectly. To me, this is autism because of the accident. We know that accidents happen in life, but maybe for us, it is scary to see. But for me, it makes me a stronger person at the end of the day. Everyone's going to get hurt in life eventually. Everyone's going to have an accident, whether that be you crack your pants or whether you get in a car wreck. I mean, we all have accidents. But you know what? Those accidents and humiliation moments make us a stronger type person. We get to have that strong muscle bone. It makes us grow more. And we know that how to handle it the next time. And we also know that we can go through anything if we went through that one horrible incident. And the next one is the 3D, or the Dudley Death Drop. The finisher used by the Dudley Boys. The way this move worked was Devon Dudley would lift you in the air face first, then Bubba Ray Dudley would grab your neck and bring you down with a cutter. The crazy part is, according to Kofi Kingston, is the timing. They hit it perfectly every time as they got their rhythm. It was really like a music loop, and this finisher had a surprise factor. The finisher also hypes up the crowd. You are so amazed by the art that people do not see that the danger of something could possibly go wrong. Their setup was a hand gesture that made 3D. It goes to another level when they incorporate a table. The way the 3D represents an Aspie is our timing skills. Most Aspies are extremely smart with our timing skills. It is our way of showing our reliability. I mean, Sheldon and Amy did it once on the Big Bang Theory where Sheldon waited on the door for 20 minutes and was right on time on the dot. Plus, most Aspies have amazing rhythm as they can memorize a routine involved in action, and if we show them, we will force ourselves to do it. I did. I did it all the way through school as I had to memorize a routine and I'm doing it right now as I'm trying to memorize a routine through college. I mean, I think I got it, but I'm still making sure. So in a way, the 3D is because we can memorize, but also we are timed well. I mean, we know our timing skills and we will be punctual. And we don't put people through tables, but our punctual skill is like nailing a table, I think, sometimes. The next finisher is the pedigree, or technically called a double underhook face buster. It is a finisher that is used by Triple H. According to Johnson, he has made Triple H win a lot of matches. When you are going down, you cannot do anything. The way the move happens is that Triple H locks you between his massive thighs, and I think they are massive thighs, and I think he, you can make chicken wings out of thighs. And speaking of chicken wings, he then chicken wings your arms and drops down on his knees while releasing you so you faceplant in the mat. The pedigree offers simplicity, but it is effective. This one is not sudden, but according to Mick Fuller, on countdown, it was calculating how to element a danger. The anticipation also builds a finish. The rest of things that didn't go as planned. Also, it says something when he was won championships with that move. This is an Aspie because sometimes when we go down, some with a disability, we cannot do anything. People think that that is not true. We can do it with or without help. I mean, as we are going down, we can get back up and bounce right up and get back to where we were. I'm telling you, we can. And it may take some time to get there, but we'll get there. The next move is the Sharpshooter, the finisher used by Bret Hart. His finisher matches character. The way this works is Bret opens your legs, steps through, and crosses your legs, and turns his opponent on his belly and cranks on the lower back. Once it is locked, you cannot go anywhere, and it hurts your legs. And it hurts your lower back, too. Also, if you crank it, you twist the opponent the wrong way. 
is a complicated move because of the technicality. According to JBL on Captain, he said Hart was sad because the match was that to be over, and he was sad because he wanted to keep going because he loved his business so much. He was one of the first to use his submission as a finisher, and the move has become iconic. There have been others who have tried, like The Rock and Trish Stratus, but they do it incorrectly. Art Nieces Natalia does it to honor him, but he still does it like no one else. This is autism due to art technicality because we can be technical. Like, I am not when it comes to the sharpshooter because I've tried it all before and I suck at it, believe me. But anyway, I'm not so technical when it comes to driving. But I do get technical when it comes to my business and media skills. I think like a businessman. I think like a media man. And I try to be technical. I mean, I try to make it perfect. I try to make every little note detailed and perfect to the point where it becomes untouchable. The next finisher is the F5. The finisher for, for Brock Lesnar, the move is executed by Lesnar, putting an opponent in a fireman's carry position, then throws the legs out to spin out while Lesnar falls back. This finisher is, has power by a monstrous man. There is no limit he could use on it. Like the Dudleys, it has the same time, but also athleticism. Like Brock has no limits, we the disabled also have no limits. We can do anything we put our mind to. I know you've heard it many times, but it's true. You just have to have it. There are no limits to do it you can do whatever you want just be reasonable and do never believe there are limits because you're the only one who can break the pole the next one is the rko or the jumping cutter it is the finisher for randy or the finisher like most represents him the rko also is impactful and makes opponents suddenly get knocked out the best part is the surprise fighter because he can flip the switch automatically also, Orton puts his own spin on it. The move starts with a slither and a pounce on the canvas, and when his opponent turns, they will receive the RKO. Also, like some of the finishers, the crowd goes nuts. The cool thing is we ask to put our own spin on things as we have the right minds to do it. Because of our creativeness, we are so creative that we have the right mind to put our own spin into something simple or complicated. The next finisher is Sweet Chain Music, or the Super Kick. It is Shawn Michaels' finish. When Michaels hits the kick, the match is ending. Like the RKO, it also has the element of surprise. According to Michaels on WWE Countdown, the inspiration was, at first, Michael was using a teardrop suplex and would use the super kick as a setup. But then Pat Patterson came up to him and said, you know, I think I like the kick better. So they started using the kick with more theatrics and more drama. The setup started with, with getting into the setup and started stomping in the corner. And when his opponent turned, he got his head kicked off. And it was like, and it was iconic as he can only be the one to produce it. This is an Aspie because when we get into something, we do bring the drama and the hype with us. We mainly do it when we are stressed or enjoying ourselves. I mainly did it during my junior year pep rally. I don't know if I got into it or I was just stressed, but I remember getting involved into it because I was bored and I just had a lot of fun and it was definitely a fun time. I enjoyed myself definitely and that's a memory of high school that I will always cherish. The next move is the spear. It's used by a variety of wrestlers. It is... Proclaimed WWE, WCW, and ECW titles. According to JBL from WWE Countdown, you launch your body into another person. The people stayed in the corner like the sweet chain music, but instead of kicking, he was going to charge you from 20 feet and drive my shoulder into your chest. There is the regular spear where you do it like a baseball tackle. Rhino used a spear where he strikes the opponent, and Goldberg has one where he goes to the lower chest. Then currently, Bobby Lashley has one where he hits the spear but rolls forward. This is autism because of the variety. And what I want to use is my music because I am a music person. I have a lot of variety. I just don't have rock. I have rock, country, rap, pop, alternative rock. I mean, I have different varieties of music. And I am a variety man. I really, really am. I like to keep variety of things. Part of me is why I think I like this is the ape, the autistic behaviors, the perspectives and entertainments. That's a variety. I mean, I'm producing the same thing, but the variety of episodes is so much more different. I like some stuff that are same. 
but have a different twist and a different spin on it each time. The next finisher is the Tombstone Pile Driver. It is the finisher for The Undertaker and a signature move for Kane. It is the most frightening because you are lifted onto the competitor's shoulders and hanging upside down, and you are driven to your opponent's knees or into the canvas sometimes. You hope it is not you the next time. Like some on this list, you can do it to anyone. I think Ashley is sometimes driven to the canvas and get more motivated because our lives sometimes hang upside down. I mean, our life is sometimes inverted and we sometimes get inverted hanging because of the way we think, the way we perceive information, and it's just inverted sometimes and inverted things happen to us where our lives go upside down and when we hang upside down and get dropped down, it's scary like The Undertaker does, but I know we don't rest in peace like him. We kick out. The Best finishing move of all is the Stone Cold Stunner, or the Stunner. Although invented by Mikey Whipperick, Stone Cold Steve Austin made it more popular. It has the flavor of excitement. Also, anyone could take it, and the way it worked was Austin gave you the bird, it kicked you in the stomach, and then grabs you in a 3 fourth face lock and drops you on your head. And it can be used anytime and anywhere. It is also fast, as Austin strikes the stern with lightning. According to Miz on WWE Countdown, the best part is watching someone take it. Plus, he could do a run with stars and hit 6-8 to eight on different people. It also got the fans on their feet. I think of this as anyone with a disability because when Austin hits the stunner, that is us stunning the world. The other part is people take it because they are also stunned because of what we did. Look at the 12th video below to see the Stone Cold Stunner reactions, how I believe people should react to it. Because when we stun the world, the way people take it, they're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, they're just all over the place. Their body just turned into mesh. I mean, they just get so hyper, and they're just like, whoa, Nelly. And they drop down, and they're just excited. And the way the so-called stunner is really the autistic stunner because everyone can get stunned by us. I don't mean like, da-da-da-da-da stun. I mean like, whoa, Nelly stun because of our improvements and what we can do that just surprises people and can sometimes even leave you speechless. Now, the next thing I want to talk about in pro wrestling is the backstab. Or backstab, sorry. The guy looks exciting. But anyway, it is an ally who betrays someone in the WWE. Why do they do it? Why not? Because everyone wants to be number one in the business, so you have to do something you might not enjoy to get there. According to Trish Stratus on Countdown, sometimes you kind of have to step on people to get to the top. You have to be on your toes in the WWE. Once you're known as the one who wants you backstab, you will get booed, though. I will warn you that. However, according to Dean Ambrose on Countdown, he said the best guys were not here to make friends. Some of them said they were here to make money. WWE is a cutthroat business, and you always have to do what yourself needs to do. The best way to get revenge is to beat or embarrass them. This is someone who betrays an aspie and really can't understand the feeling. The best way I can describe the feeling is you ate our hearts out. When you backstab us, it's like Pac-Man coming by and eating the little ghost. I mean, right now, I have plenty of ghosts in my heart. But what happens if the person backstabbing us, the ghosts are going to get eaten? You're going to keep eating the ghosts. And I have the Pac-Mans around in my heart. But you know what? I think the ghosts are pretty darn well at avoiding them. Because at the end of the day, we're Pac-Man ain't going to eat us. We're going to get Pac-Man. Now, according to the Dirty Count and the top 10 backstabs are, the first one is called $1 Canadian. This was when Trish Stratus turned on Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho were an item and Lena and Christian were an item. Also, Chris Jericho and Christian were best friends and decided to make a bet for one Canadian dollar. After meeting about their progress, Stratus was secretly listening. She confronted him and it was over a bet and she lost it. However, Jericho felt bad for using her because he actually developed real feelings for her. And the relationship got between Chris Jericho and Christian as they turned into enemies. The Christian challenged Chris Jericho at a pay-per-view. At the pay-per-view, as the match was coming to an end, Stratus came out to backstab Jericho and got an on-screen relationship with Christian. This wasn't an Aspie 
Because this is what we tend to avoid, which is a drama or a dramatic situation. Because I'll be honest, we don't have time for drama, y'all. We got other stuff to do. And the next one is called Heartbreaker. This is when Owen Hart turned on his brother, Bret Hart. It probably is hard to be one of the Bret Hart's brothers because you have to follow it in his footsteps because Bret was a big star and at the time, Owen was not. The family drama began at a paper year in 1993. Owen wanted to step down of his brother's footsteps that day. During the match, Shawn Michaels bounced Owen off the ropes, but he hurt Brett, and Michaels took advantage of the distraction and rolled him up. And he was the only person who got eliminated from his team. According to Cesaro, anyone was concerned about Brett, but he said, who cares? You just cost Owen his opportunity. But it seemed like they saw their issues off air and decided to try to win the titles. So at the pay-per-view in 1994, Bret Hart did not make one tag to Owen. According to Miz, on the count, it was clear that Bret could not continue. So the referee stopped the match and Owen got frustrated and mad and started to berate Bret and then proceeded to kick his injured knee. This is an aspect because when we see a Bret Hart type person at school, we do everything in our power to get acknowledged. But it would not care and not caring about it was the best decision of my life because I was a trier. And I tried to get acknowledged. But the only person who needs to really to acknowledge me is me because I get to know that I'm important. I see myself as important and that's the only opinion that truly, and I mean truly, matters. The next one is a giant backstab. This is when Andre the Giant backstabbed Hulk Hogan. There's nothing bigger than Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant back in the 80s. Hogan and Andre were friends before the backstabbing began, but the backstabbing began when Hogan and Andre were on Piper's Pit when Hogan got a big trophy for being a champion for three years, and Andre received a smaller trophy for being undefeated for 15 years, and Andre took matters into his own hands and turned bad on the next Piper's Pit. Although he said he did not want to be champion, he was kind of justified as he was undefeated for 15 years, and it was kind of true because Hogan didn't even bother asking for a title shot. I mean, I know he wouldn't want to be it, but out of respect, I would have asked him, do you want to have a match and try to be the champion? As out of respect. This led to their popular match in 1987 Michigan, and this is an ass because we sometimes take matters in our own hands with and without permission. When we say this will happen, believe me, it's going to happen. No matter what happens, when we say it will happen, we're man of our words. It's going to happen, whether it be good or bad. I mean, I know we don't cross lines, granted, but when we say something, we make a decision and we're going to do it, believe me, we're going to do it. If you want to try to stop us, fine, but it's not going to work. No one will stop us at our decision choices. And when the decision is confirmed, it will be time to put it in a court, I guess is the way you put it, and put a case on it. And then, boom, we will do it, man. And then the next backstab is Sergeant Turncoat. This is when Sergeant Slaughter turned into a bad guy. Before the backstab, he was Mr. USA and Marine before his backstab. He was an American hero until he was a traitor and turned his back on America. It was perfect time because in the 90s, the Gulf War was happening. And Slaughter just stirred up the pot, and he really changed and became a Benedict Arnold, really, in my opinion. Slaughter thought America was weak and were cowards. When he lost his championship, it felt like a win for America. At least I can promise you, you are treated right in America. And I always want to give a shout-out to the government, actually, believe it or not. I want to give a shout-out to them for letting me have the freedom and live the way I choose because I get to be a person and a human and have certain rights because I live in America. And for those American privileges, I am so forever grateful for those. The next one is Thumbs Down. This is when Evolution turned on Randy Orton. Although Evolution turned on him, it did make him into a bigger star. According to Batista, it was hard because their group was so dominant and there was no one left and egos clicked in. So the drama began when they saw Orton, who was the prince of Evolution, became the king as he captured his championship. So when Triple H lost his championship and months later... 
Reigner captured that title he held. And as he was celebrating on Batista's shoulders, Triple H went from a thumbs up to a thumbs down. And Batista then dropped him with an electric chair drop and the group mauled him into tomorrow. This is odd just because we want to outshine everyone and we will do what we had to do to get there. I mean, I'm not saying we're vengeful people. I mean, that's not on all. I'm just saying that we're going to do what it takes to shine and we're going to what we have to do to become a person in the spotlight. I mean, we may not get there right away, but I know we're going to get there with hard work and determination. And with that, we will get to the spotlight and be recognized as a leader. The next one is as the urn turns. This is when Paul Bear turns back on the Undertaker. Before the backstab occurred, Bear and Taker are like a perfect match. And Mankind came along and initiated my favorite rivalry, which is Mankind versus the Undertaker. And I'll explain a rivalry later. But the backstab began at the Boiler Room Brawl in a pay-per-view in 1996. The rule was you had to get to the ring and grab the urn. Both Mankind and Undertaker produced one of my favorite matches. After the Undertaker got the chance to get the urn, Bear would not give it to it. But instead, he hit him over the head with the urn. And everyone in the eyes was shocked. And it was unthinkable. This isn't as because it is unthinkable when we succeed. Because society believes we do not until we show it. No one believes in us. And that's sad. I mean, they're starting to, but no one does. And when we do it, the feeling of them thinking that we have it and having that feeling of unthinkableness, that's a kind of a pretty good feeling. And I kind of don't want that feeling to stop. The next backstab is a twist of fate. This is when Matt Hardy betrayed Jeff Hardy. Before the backstab, both got to live out their dreams and be professional wrestlers. However, after a while, they became singles wrestlers, but still were buds until Jeff got more attention than Matt. Jeff even won the championship. Like Owen, Jeff had more stardom than Matt did. However, when Jeff won, it seemed like it came a curse because he was hit in a hit-and-run car accident and his pyro got all over him. The betrayal happened at the first pay-per-view of 29 during Jeff's match with Edge because Matt helped Jeff until he hit Jeff with the chair and that cost him his championship. Matt did not show any remorse as he did not have to share with his brother. This is obvious because we have an issue with remorse. We have hearts, but empathy is not in our dictionary. And that's like me because I'm a very generous person. I mean, I want to give and give and give, but I'm not empathetic. You know, I'm like, you need to grow up and do it. I mean, that's just how I've always been. And it's sad, but I make it up with my gratitude. And every aspect does lack empathy because we do not know how to act when someone is having a really bad day or having a weird emotion like crying and struggling because it feels weird. We don't want to be a part of that. We don't know what to do. So, parents, you need to teach us what to do when it's time to show some empathy. The next backstab is the day Hulkamania died. This is when Hulk Hogan turned bad. And before he killed Hulk Hulkamania, everyone loved him and got behind his character. Then he went to WCW. And then Razor Ramon and Scott Hall at a different time frame came there too. So, in 1996 WCW pay-per-view in the summertime, the match was Sting and Lex Luger and Randy Savage versus Ramon and Nash and a third man but did not show up. Lex was taken out and Hogan showed up and dropped a leg drop on Savage and then started trash talking and he turned evil and brashful. The children felt betrayed and the fans thought he was really this the whole time. Everyone was so mad that they were throwing trash in the ring. This is an aspect due to the deception and we sadly are aware of it but do not see the deception lying around. I mean we know deception exists, we really do, but we have a hard time telling when and when someone is not being deceptive and use us as bait for a fish. I mean we don't, we can't tell that. And we need to be taught that in a thoroughly more precisely and longer manner. 
And then the next one is the Montreal Screwjob. So this is when Mr. McMahon turned on Bret Hart. During a war, lots of dirty superstars were leaving and going to WCW. Hart did not accept the first offer, for however, he did accept the second offer. His last match in the WWF was going to be against Shawn Michaels in 1997. McMahon had a plot to screw Bret Hart. And if you look at the 13th video, there's a story on why it happened. Earl Hebner, the referee, was forced to ring the bell when Bret did not tap. And that day, Vince McMahon really transformed into the Mr. McMahon character. This is an aspect because we develop plots too. I mean, we develop ideas and plans after plans after plans after plans after plans. I mean, when we're younger, life needs to be structured and routine and planned out for us. Maybe not older, but when you're younger, yes, we need to be told what we're going to do. And it needs to happen. Don't put the surprise factor in us because we don't like the surprise of something because it scares us and it startles us because that was not the intended goal. And then the best backstab of all was the kick heard around the world. This is when Shawn Michaels turned back on Marty Jannetty. It started after Michaels started hogging the spotlight. He really wanted to be a singles wrestler. The dissension was showing itself. Brutus Beefcake decided to try to make it better. He then thought they would work it out, but Michaels kicked Jannetty and threw it through a glass window. This is obvious because we may not forgive you, but sometimes people on the spectrum hold grudges and cannot let it go. You know, the people who backstab me and you know who you are, I hold grudges against you. Do I forgive you? Sure, I can, I can say I forgive you, but I never forget. I will never forget when you backstab me and ate my heart out. It will never go away. So if you see me, I will respect you, but there won't be a lot of happiness towards you. Now, something else I want to talk about is a blunder. It is a wrestling mistake that happens on live television. It could be intended to be good, but it ends up really bad. In a way, you could wish that there was no one seeing it. If you mess up, it cannot be undone. You might as well laugh at them or at yourself because you cannot undo them. This is obvious because we have blunders when we take something literally and you really just have to laugh at yourself. I mean, we take things literally all the time, man. We really do. And the only thing that you can do instead of really just feeling bad about yourself is to laugh and make it a funny, goofy memory that will stick in your head. That's the only thing you probably should and way to move on from it. According to the countdown, here are the... WWE Top 10 Blunders. The number 10 is Psychobabble, as I like call him. First of all, I am sorry, Psycho Sid, because you are one of my favorites, and I am sorry, because while you have the character, buddy, and the appearance, but I'm sorry, you need to work on your microphone skills. I have no idea if he knew what he was saying, so don't feel bad, though, Mr. Sid, because an Aspie sometimes cannot learn to speak clearly, or even not at all. Like Sid, though, it does not mean we're stupid. I mean, Sid was a character. He could didn't have the talk but he could walk the walk i'll tell you that much and i'm telling you even though we may not speak we can make it up with our actions and our written language i mean there are ways to speak it just may not be best to put us in front of a microphone or it may not be best to let us speak at all because of our honesty and bluntness as well but we'll make it up to you just sometimes it may not be the best with our mouths as it's hard to understand us or we just may not understand what verbal language is and the next one is the dungeon of doom the reason why this was a blunder was it was corny and not even scary. It was just a group of misfits. And <laughs> it was really just a bunch of WWE guys with different names. And the goal for them was to end Hulkamania. And even Hulk Hogan got corny and dramatic as well. The one positive was it brought the big show. This is autism because we have the ability to turn something negative into a positive. As we do our best to make a good out of a bad situation. I mean, I've had to do it three times. One of them was I had to go to Desta recently. 
Well, I didn't have to, but I went out of respect. And I didn't think it was going to be a good trip. But you know what? I made the best out of the bad situation, and it was a pretty good trip. And also, I did with Mick Foley interview on my podcast, because fun fact, guys, I only had 30 minutes with him, and I was kind of sad and, you know, depressed about that. But I was able to make the best out of a bad situation, and it was a pretty good interview. I also had to do when I traveled to Batesville, Mississippi, because... I really didn't want to go fishing because I didn't know what I was going to include. But you know what? I got to admit, I really enjoyed it. It was probably one of the best. And believe it or not, I'm talking to my dad right now. Dad, take me back because I'll go again. And when you're in that situation, it is really the only thing you can do. Because if you complain, like I said earlier, it ain't going to get you nowhere. So you might as well enjoy what you can instead of not enjoying what you can't. The next one is Lights Out. As I call it, it started with a huge storm at North Carolina and had a pay-per-view in 1996. Everything was fine, but when Savio Vega was making his entrance, the power just went off fully. And the pay-per-view for the home viewers just shut down. Everyone panicked, but they just continued with the show, and they actually wrestled in the dark. According to Mr. McMahon, it was the only thing that the company could do. What is funny is my friend Mick Foley was under the ring, and he sees everything go dark, and he believes he turned out the lights, and he did something. And when they go dark, he is still under the ring and has no idea what's going on. This is actually because Mother Nature is not our friend sometimes, and it gives us anxiety if we have plans. When we have plans, and those plans get ruined by Mother Nature, it's hard to cope with because we couldn't control it. It's not our fault. I mean, it's their fault or our fault. We get happens. That's a whole new ball game. But when it's something that is uncontrollable, I cannot move on. I can't, like, help it because no one told us that a big bad storm was coming. Or we didn't know, but we couldn't stop it. We didn't have the weather powers to be like, rain, go away, boo. I mean, we didn't have that. We can't catch it. There's no way to protect us from rain sometimes unless there's circumstantial, obviously. But if it's an outdoor event, rain ain't going to be your friend. That's what I'll say. The next one is Steinerphobics. Like Sid, he struggled with the microphone a little, but I actually personally loved his promos. But he got mixed up with his grammar. According to Cody Rhodes on Countdown, he wondered if you could say what he said on national television. He always got his words mixed up too. And that is just because we do not only take things literally, but we get mixed up with our words and say statements that make sense, but it only does in our heads. I mean, sometimes we get confused and we mix up our words and statements and we say the wrong thing and it meant to mean something else. And you can only just laugh at yourself as well, like Psycho Sid probably did and hopefully Scott Steiner did a little bit as well. But hey, I like the I like their promos. I think they were pretty cool if I say myself. The next one was Kendall from Hell. And sorry, Al, I need to mention this one because it was kind of... I personally thought it was kind of funny a little bit. No offense, Mr. Snow. But the story is this. Al Snow had a small dog named Pepper and Big Boss Man stole him and said he would give him back if he beat him. But he did not and Boss Man still had Pepper. So Boss Man tricked Snow to come to his hotel and eat his own dog. And it got kind of funny because Snow even had a funeral for him. And that is where the kennel from hell came abound, which was an enclosed cage around the ring covered with a cell and the top of it all off, rabid dogs guarding, and you had to escape and pass the dogs. The problem is you have no idea what dogs are going to do, not even well-trained ones. And it was sad because the Rottweilers had no interest and were friendly. This is autism because most Aspies love or are afraid of animals. And I'm an animal person, you know, I... Only love dogs, I'll be honest. I'm not a fan of chickens, birds, snakes. That's just not my cup of tea. But that being said, I do respect them. If an animal needs help, I will be the first one to go help them. Even if they're a raccoon or not the friendliest animals of all. I do want to help animals because at the end of the day, it's the right thing to do, A. And B, I don't want to be the guy seeing something and then 
here I am and I can help, yet I choose not to and they lose their life because of me. I wouldn't be able to live with that. The next was the hiring of Mac Adamine. Mike Adamine was an Olympic commentator and had a successful commentary career in the Olympic world. So there he got him and it seemed great. And then the show started. He first called Jeff Hardy, Jeff Harvey. And from then on, he just stumbled and got the words wrong. It got worse when they put him on commentary. But that being said, it was so bad, it was entertaining. Then he got to be the manager of Farad to make him more of a clown. This goes back to the deception but in a different way because even though we do not see it, we do eventually see it, but when we do, it's too late. And when we do fall for it and there's no way going out, we don't know what to do. I mean, we're panicked, we're scared. We just want to run and hide in a corner like everyone else probably does when they see the deception. But we know what to do. We are strong enough people to figure out what to do. We're strong people. We can figure out what to do in these type of situations. We're not easily to be tricked. You can pull our strings maybe, but sometimes when you can't trick us fully. You might be able to trick us in a moment, but not permanently. The next one is the Brawl for All. The Brawl for All sounds interesting because it was boxing and a fight. It was a tough man tournament. People thought it would be good to see, but honestly, it turned to a joke. The first way it was, if you look below at the show notes, the rules were screwed up. The one positive that the Brawl for All was it gave a Spark gun. He could have made it, but they put him in the ring with Butterbean. This is an ask because like Bart, we have moments that do not last long. And so on the spectrum, including myself, once a moment that lasts a day or two. And to make themselves feel like they have accomplished something. I always want moments that last longer. I don't want a moment that exists for a minute. You know, I want moments that are going on for a while. Like I got to become a master chef or something like that. I always want a moment and I think every day in life is a moment. But how you create them in the moments, that's you. But you have to be the one to create your moments. And you have to be the one to take action upon yourself so that you can grow and become more of a winner and more of a happier person than you already are. The next blunder is the ultimate voodoo curse. This happened when the king of voodoo appeared named Papa Shango and goes after the ultimate warrior. When the ultimate warrior got targeted, weirdness him. He first had green slime drooled down his face. The warrior got sick and threw up on the doctors and the storyline was growing out and it may have worked in the 80s, but no, not the time frame it was on. It was also too corny. It may have worked on little kids and not adults. It was really just set stupid. It was also too corny, which just made the two look like fools. This could be autism because we could try to be funny, but when we fail, we feel like the dumbest people alive. I mean, I try to be funny and told jokes that have probably been funny to me, but not the other person. And we all get that feeling, but we get that feeling in worse because it's like, dang it, I'm not funny. <laughs> I can't make people laugh. I'm not a comedian. I want to make people happy. Wee, but I don't get that. <laughs> You know, and that really hurts us. You know, and that, that feeling really hurts because we just embarrassed us more likely than made people smile. I mean, probably just made people laugh at us than with us. And we'd rather have someone laugh with us because we've already had enough people laughing at us. I'll tell you that. Then the next one is the Shockmaster. First of all, pause the podcast right now and watch the 14th video below and watch the guy fall and basically bust his face. It's almost too funny. Sorry, Mr. Upman, but it's funny. But the story is that Fred Ottman, a.k.a. Typhoon or Tugboat in WWE, he went assigned to work for Dusty Rose in WCW. Sting promised to make the announcement, and when he did, the Shockmaster accidentally fell. And when they saw that, people wanted more. And this can be an ask because we wonder if we have to do something dumb in order to get someone's attention because, like I said a million times in this podcast, we want to get your attention. But my question is, do we have to do something dumb or really something really stupid? in order to get your attention so that we can make a fool and get noticed in some way, which is, I know, bad attention, but at least it's attention. So 
really do we have to do that? I mean, that's what we feel like. We don't want to, but I question if we have to sometimes. And the best blunder of all is the McMahon Million Dollar Blunder. So the story with this is Mr. McMahon came up with the idea to give a million dollars to someone weekly to gain reigns. The way to win is to give McMahon the correct password. The only problem is McMahon could not use the phone correctly. Plus, his hearing is not the best according to his daughter. So it makes for some laughter. It sunned the idea when the set came crashing down on him. And this is the problem for him asking because when they are not as patient as they should be with the elders sometimes. I have a problem with the elders when they can't hear on the phone and sometimes they don't understand what I'm saying or they have these old school rule beliefs. No offense to the elders. You guys are wonderful people at the end of the day and I respect you all. But you guys have old school beliefs and some of those beliefs I don't believe in and I'm not going to live like that. When I'm around you, I feel like I have to live like that. And that's kind of an issue with this problem around the world. So really... Parents, you need to teach them how to behave around the elders because if we didn't, we act the way we are with you. I mean, we act the same way with everyone. So, but we really need to be a little different with the elders out of respect and they've lived longer and, and they know their stuff. Most of them are have some sharp, witty heads and think pretty big because they know what to expect. The next thing I want to talk about is Monday Night Raw. But first, I think we need a proper introduction. So, Mr. McMahon, introduce, to, introduce Monday Night Raw for us. Welcome to Monday Night Raw! Alright, thank you Mr. McMahon for that. So, what Monday Night Raw is, is a WWE televised program that comes to Mondays is the variety show of all WWE. According to AJ Leon Countdown, it is electric and anything can happen. It is packed with athleticism, action, comedy, stories, and drama, and shock. The Monday Night Wars are also prevalent as WWE versus WCW happen on Mondays and the goal was to see who could draw the most reigns. Monday Night Raw could take twists and turns because you never know what the night has planned for you. There are many superstars on there who have different abilities. No one has a clue who opens and closes the show. You might witness someone coming back. We have even seen some raunchy action on Raw. The way to make your Raw appearance memorable is to do the unexpected. When you do not know, it keeps the audience going. According to Mr. McMahon, he could not even pick his top 100. This is an ask because of our anticipatory anxiety. And C1110, what are the odds for more information on that? But I do not like the unknown due to its scary nature. I like to know, like, what's happening? Am I going to do this? This will happen. This will happen. This will happen. Like, I would need to know. That's another bottom line because Stone Cold said so. I need to know. Or otherwise, I freak out. That's just how I am, and that's really, I can't help it. I'll be 100% honest with everyone who is listening to this. I cannot help it. I cannot help it. I cannot help it. I cannot help it. That's all I can say. According to Dirty Countdown, the top 10 most memorable Raw moments are Pillman's Got a Gun. Brian Pillman was a loose cannon character, and Stone Cold Steve Austin was the edgy type of character. Believe it or not, these two once were friends in WCW. Now they have an issue and they turn to rivals and Austin breaks Pillman's leg. And it got heated with that. The next week they were going to interview Pillman at his house and Austin asked he was also going to go to the Pillman's house. When they interviewed him home, he showed a 9mm gun. Then Austin does show and beats Pillman's stooges and friends and breaks the glass on the front door and unlocks them. Steps in and when he does, Pillman has the gun pointed right at him and then suddenly the camera loses its signal. But it came back on with chaos. This is autism because of the gun. If you hear autism and guns, you probably think they do not mix. I agree and disagree because some probably are not capable of having the honor of carrying a firearm. But I don't agree fully. I think some people can learn how to use a gun and use it the right way, obviously. Because I do believe in gun rights, but there's a whole other story to that. But anyway, 
I firmly believe that people on the spectrum or with a disability can use a gun. They just need to learn the right tools and probably just have to be extra careful. The next one is when Mr. McMahon hugs Eric Bischoff. Mr. McMahon did not like Eric Bischoff. Both are trying to bury each other and win with the WWE or WCW Monday Night Wars. And Bischoff was the guy that made WCW have more reigns for two years until WWE won and put WCW out of business. And according to Big Show on Countdown, you would never see Bischoff work for McMahon until it happened on a 22 episode of Monday Night Raw. It was also shocking when they hugged. The locker room was even shocked as well. McMahon really did keep his enemy close, and that's how smart McMahon is. This is autism because we can get along with anyone when we enter adulthood because Aspies have will mature and not care about others' opinions. I mean, we do grow up. We do hit the puberty line as well. We grow up, man. We really, really do. We mature. We can act like an adult. We can have the adult privileges like anyone else. We don't care. But we may have some help. I'm not going to lie. But we could still enter adulthood like anyone else would. The next one is 1-2-3-Kid defeats Razor Ramon. This was a time when Razor Ramon kept beating wimps, and they kept getting beat. However, in May 1993, he faced the kid, who was another wimp and more of a punching bag. The match was mainly like a bully picking on a preschooler. We obviously thought Ramon was going to win. The kid got out of the way and hit a moonsault for the win, and that was really the first time an underdog won. This was the first moment that really proved expect the unexpected. However, this is someone with a disability because like Kid, we are the underdogs. And there are Razor Ramones in the world who might seem like they are the ones who are on the pedestal. But with patience like the Kid, we will win. We will become at the top. We'll go to that mountaintop. It's just going to take some time. You know, it may take a moment. We may have to sneakily and be on our tippy toes to get there, but we will get there. We will defeat the Ramones and we'll prove that we're better, smarter, and stronger than you. The next one is when Triple H married Stephanie McMahon. Stephanie McMahon was scheduled to marry Test, and Mr. McMahon said that anyone who interfered in the wedding would be fired off the spot. And usually, WWE events do not end well, so when Triple H came out, we knew something was going to happen. The story was during Stephanie's bachelorette party, the bartender slipped her a Mickey, that's all I'm going to say about that, and took her to Little White Chapel and married Stephanie McMahon by mocking Stephanie's voice. And as Stephanie said, said it, it began a long relationship with Triple H. This could be considered autism due to our stubbornness with we think we will not like that person and oddly we do because even though we may not like someone we you grow on them so much and you hang out with them or have to hang out with them so much that we oddly do i mean people do grow on us i mean we do have hearts like anyone else sometimes people can grow on us it's just that sometimes it's just a shock and really unexpected for us Next promo is Mike Tyson versus Steve Austin. The WWE was able to negotiate and bring in Iron Mike Tyson. That was when the WCW was winning against WWE. So when he appeared, it got attention. But then out comes Stone Cold Steve Austin. When you have those two in the ring, it's going to get some eyes glued to that TV. Then Austin obviously flips the bird and Austin and Tyson brawled. It worked with Reigns because the news heard about it. I wanted to hear the story. This is an ask because of a young one's negotiation skills. Because sometimes, and even me sometimes, an autistic person does not shut up until they win or there's a middle that satisfies them. We have to determine when we negotiate. Sometimes we win and sometimes we lose, but we don't go down without a fight. I mean, I know I sound vengeful, but we don't go down. That's just another bottom line because Stone Cold said so. But sometimes we can compromise. I mean, even though we don't like to, it's a lot of times my way the highway and C-103 my way the highway for more information. We can come up with a middle. It just has to satisfy us and make sure it's fair to us because if it's not, we won't do it. I mean, you can try, but it has to be fair and each person has to have a slice of the cheesecake. The next one is when Mr. McMahon buys WCW. 
This happened during the time WWE was losing the war as well, but Mr. McMahon never backs down from a fight. He decided that if he cannot beat it, then I'll buy them. So really it was said that Mr. McMahon won, or so we thought, because he did buy WCW until Shane McMahon's music interrupt because he appeared and reveals he now owned and saved WCW. This can be obvious because we have issues when it comes to saving and spending. We do one or the other too much because with me, I like to save. I think I save too much money. I like to be precautious with my money. I mean, used to I was a spender, but now I'm a saver. But that being said, you know, for Aspies and it's on the spectrum, I think parents need to teach the balance because going back to that slice of cheesecake, you know, we might eat one side too much than the other. We might eat more of the crust than more of the filling. So we got to be careful. We got to have a side where we can eat the crust, but also enjoy the filling and make each side happy. The next one is when The Rock challenges Hulk Hogan. Hogan made his return to WWE and came back as Hollywood Hulk Hogan. When he gives a promo and The Rock interrupted and challenged Hulk Hogan to a match, and he accepts it, and we got a match we thought we would never see. The fans came unglued. Then Hogan received a rock bottom. This is someone with a disability because we can show that the impossible is possible. We are the underdogs, but the impossible to us, there is no impossible in our dictionary. Possible is everything for us. We can do it. Just give us the chance and let us in. The next one is when Nexus destroys Raw. The concept, according to David Otunga from Countdown, is there were eight rookies and one would win their dream, but they had to do ridiculous training. They finally had enough and were done being poorly treated with that show. So on Raw, it was viewer's choice not ready, and the main event was John Cena versus CM Punk. During the match, the eight NXT rookies took over Raw and destroyed it, and Cena and Punk as well for collaborative damage. After the damage was done, there was this weird silence because everyone was shocked. This is someone on the spectrum because we might see us as having weird silence when we stare, but in reality, we're just observing. When you think we're, we're staring at you, that's not the case. We're not trying to stare and be a creep or make you uncomfortable. We're observing. We're observing the lights. We're observing the ceiling. I mean, we're observing everything. We're observing what to do. We're taking in notes, mental notes for ourselves. I mean, we're just observing what's going on. So we're not staring at you. And I don't understand that misconception, if I'll be honest with you. The next one is DX invades WCW. And DX, the Monday Night Wars, got bad and they knocked on the door. And Triple H surprised them and they went through it. They really pushed and showed up at someone else's show. Although there was no going in the door, they did show up. And it was when the war really picked up. Because this is autism because we are party crashers and not realize it. Whether it be having an autistic moment at a party or not being polite, not realizing it while giving a speech. I mean, we are party crashers. I don't mean in a good way. I mean, because that does work wild, crazy party people. I mean, every person is, I think. We do stuff that we don't think about. And when we do it and we realize it was kind of dumb, we feel just dumb and we're a party crasher. And we try not to do it. But, you know, it's like anyone who gets so hyped up in the moment, and then here we are. We try to do a backflip on the table, and we feel like an idiot. So, basically, we need to learn, like, what is appropriate, what the type of party it is. We got to learn the scenarios of all parties, and it's hard for us to learn sometimes. And the, the best raw moment is when Mankind won the championship. And first of all, yay, because Mick Foley, who was my favorite, never really had the chance of winning a WWE championship or so they thought, due to him not being a bodybuilder, because you had The Rock, Triple H, he had McFoley, and he had the competition, but he was just, he sacrificed his body. And then, so there was a competition, really. And WWE Raw was pre-taped, and WCW had access to it. So Bishop tried to ruin his moment by spoiling the results and told McFoley was going to win the WWE Championship. However, it backfired because tons of fans turned to WWE, and according to McFoley on Countdown, 
what should have been a huge night for WCW turned out to be a huge night for WWE. It felt like the males who were underdogs won. All of the hard work that Foley did finally paid off. This is something special because, like Bischoff, we will spill the beans, and it's hard for young Aspies to keep the secret due to us wanting to be honest all the time. I mean, it's hard for us to keep our mouths shut sometimes because we want to be honest people, but yet here we are, we're trying to be told, tell the truth every moment of life, but yet here we are, you, you can't be bloody, you gotta hold back, and yet here you are, you can't spill the beans, son. I mean, that's really hard not to do because we were told, be honest, be honest, be honest, be honest, but yet you don't want us to be. So which one is it? Be honest or don't be. There's no middle with this. I personally think being honest and blunt is the right thing to do because you need to grow up. And I believe that sometimes the truth hurts and people need to hear it for motivation. It's just like tough love, in my opinion. Now, folks, we'll be right back. We're right now. You got to hear about life paths counseling with Heather Hudson. So let's get to it. Life is full of changes, and sometimes these changes can be challenging. Heather Hudson, a clinical social worker and therapist, enjoys helping people navigate through these difficulties in life. In her practice, Heather offers successful ways people can cope with these seasons of life. She offers helpful and practical resources and options, as well as caring, non-judgmental, empathetic listening. Heather believes you are the expert in your own life. In the year 2020, we all know it was a hard year with the COVID pandemic. COVID has caused grief, loss, and isolation. Heather can help with these feelings. Her other specialties are children dealing with divorce, abandonment, death of a loved one, and other losses that affect your life. Although Heather cannot offer legal advice to you, she can discuss with you what kind of legal assistance you need and what you need to know and how to contact an attorney. Contact Heather today at 812-325-4009. All right, folks, and yes, please check her out because she'll help you on the right path. Now, the next thing I'm talking about professional wrestling is the gimmick or character. It is, a ring, it is an in-ring persona character they play and do other actions to grant the audience's attention. Sometimes it may or may not exist in real life. It is a, like a live cartoon, like the Ultimate Warrior and Undertaker. That being said, there have also been some really dumb gimmicks, such as Shockmaster. Sorry, buddy. But sometimes the gimmick involves animals, such as Coco Beware or Jake the Snake Roberts. The person who to understand it and make it you. They, the character has to be you. But the cool part is they're both entertaining, whether it's good or bad. This is autism because it all goes back to the characters that we've created. But what about the multiple characters we create? We could transform. We could reinvent ourselves in different ways. I mean, that ability is so beautiful because look at Carmella. She recreated herself from being like this pro. Yeah, mm, I'm a rapper. Mm, 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 to I'm the most beautiful woman alive. I mean, she really did reinvent herself. I mean, we can do that too, except we could probably do it more. I'm not trying to boast Carmella or anything like that. But we could keep reinventing and reinventing and reinventing and reinventing and we can be different people in the different stages of lives. We're the same guy, but a little different each time. According to Countdown, the top 10 gimmicks are the Mountie. He has played a Mountie who was on the highway and was just obnoxious with a loud mouth. He was also an arrogant Mountie. His time came at the 1991 pay-per-view where he lost and had to spend the night in a jail. The guy played the character well. This is Autism 101 because some Aspies are loud and it's controlled a Control and it's hard to control our volume sometimes because we can be loud and we get real loud, but we can also get like low down. I mean, we all have different volume levels. I mean, I could go from here to here. I mean, we all, and it's hard to control it sometimes when you're in the podcasting, just use your hand for all podcasters. But also, it's hard to control when we're at certain places. I mean, it's hard to tell when we need to use this type of voice or we can use this type of voice and we need to use this type of voice. I mean, we it's hard to tell when we use it because 
we can't keep it. It all has to be one place. It needs to be the medium mill for us 24-7. And it's hard to tell when these, like, low tone and high tones come in. And we can't play those. It just needs to be the middle. We only use one voice. That's it. End of story. The next gimmick is the dynamic dudes. They play neon surfer dudes. They were trying to be something they were not. The character did not work at the time. Maybe it would be for something else. But this is an Aspie. Because when we experiment, it may not work for us. We have to keep going back to the drawing board. And we will keep going back to that drawing board until we figure out what will work for us and us only. And hopefully even better for you. The next one is Akeem. He is a bad African dancer. He danced well though for a big man, I must say. But he incorporated his dances while wrestling. And that used a pathos appeal, which is an emotional appeal for all you non-English nerds out there, to the audience. However, he could still move and kick butt. This is autism because we use pathos appeals a lot of time, and a lot all the time, really, as our way of persuasion, and we are extremely expressive. I mean, we have no problem telling you that we are mad at you. Bye, get away from us. Mm. Or, hey, man, how you doing? I'm proud of you. Good job. Give me a hug, man. Like, we have no problem with expressing ourselves at all, and we will use our pathos appeal to our advantage and disadvantage. The next one is Glacier. Everyone was looking forward to it, and it was overhyped. When he came, the lights went out, and according to Wade Barron on Countdown, when the snow came down, that is when the problem began and the disappointment kicked in. Because the Glacier character was, no offense, sort of a ripoff with Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat. This, to me, shows disappointment. And parents, you need to show your artistic children how to handle disappointment, because no matter what, disappointment is a part of life. And it'll be a part of life for everybody, even yourself. A listener, myself even. I mean, it's one for everyone. But it's hard for an Aspie to accept it because the rug was pulled from under us. And we need to learn how to cope with that feeling. The next one is Disco Inferno. He played a replica of John Travolta. The sad part was he created the character. But it was so bad, it turned good. And I kind of found it amusing. So, good job, Disco Inferno. And the guy was a real goofball. And it worked because people loved it. And at one point, he brought a duck involved. And yes, one of my friends would understand this. And... I have to sing it, so here we go. We want the ducks. Gotta have them ducks. Come on. We want the ducks. Gotta have them ducks. All right. But anyway, the character was kind of funny, and according to Dean Malik on Countdown, he said it was a bad car crash that you could not turn away from. But he was committed through the character, and he played it to the best of his ability. This is autism because we make commitments to the person to we are loyal to. And it is our word. When we are loyal to you and we give you our word, it's going to happen. I mean, we are committed to you. You're our savior. Thank you. You saved us. We're going to give you our word and we'll follow through. I promise you. And I, I don't I'm gonna promise. I'll guarantee it will happen. The next one is the red rooster. He played a rooster game in, and he didn't run with it because hair was also spiked up. This is autism because people are afraid of weird things. But it's okay. Even if you're afraid of chickens, mom, because everyone's, no, I'm just kidding with you, mom, but in, all kidding aside, every Aspie or every person can sometimes have these weird fears. And sometimes there's no explanation, but they're just afraid of it. And you know what? Okay, if you're afraid of it, I might have a little fun with you about it, but I ain't going to, like, harass you about it. I get it. I mean, I'm afraid of stuff, too. I mean, I'm a, I have a fear of leeches. They all, because they're just, like, slimy, squirmy. Ugh, just gives me, they give me the creeps. But anyway, to me, no matter what you're afraid of, you can conquer it if you choose to, but if you're afraid of it for a certain reason as unexplainable, it's understanding. The next character is Giant Gonzalez. Everyone was in awe of him. He was a freak and had hairbrush all over him and fake fur. When he went after the Undertaker, had to look up. 
And it was weird, but Gonzalez took The Undertaker to his knees. This is autism because lots of others see someone who is different as a freak. That stigma needs to stop, like, now. Now. Because some people who look like freaks aren't freaks. Some people who act like freaks aren't the freaks. You're the freaks because they're being smart. They understand life, but they are just thinking a different way. They understand what the world is like better probably than you. They're being you. And if they have to get in trouble for being you, then that's sad. And that's ridiculous because you're going to put this pressure on us. We might as well be the same. And that's not what I want in life. Everyone should be different, period. The next character is the Gobbly Gooker. When he came out of his egg, he played a turkey character. It was still in the 90s. They tried to sell it. But I'll be honest, it didn't work. This is autism not because of just the negotiating skills, but also our persuasion skills. We have the power to make you act on the issue. We have the power to make you act. We'll persuade in a different way. I mean, maybe it could be the egg way that WWE did, but maybe it's a different way. Maybe we'll hype something up so much that you'll actually get into it. We can hype up anything, even if it's the dumbest thing alive. The next gimmick is Doink the Clown. Well, in America, I'll just say clowns are a sign of happiness. But when you start messing with the clown's head... It doesn't go well unless, unless, is in the WWE because he played an evil clown. And, you know, I actually liked the gimmick. He was creepy. He wasn't that bad in the ring either. And I actually liked it. He had, really had an army of doinks. This does not treat you well if you are afraid of clowns. He did turn good and became a nice clown. And it, I'm glad it worked, but personally, I think the evil doink is awesome. He took an idea that sounded kind of stupid, but made it work. And this is autism because something that is stupid to us might make sense to me. And parents, we need an explanation why it's either okay or not okay to solve the problem in that particular way. Because we solve our problems, but in a different way. And sometimes it crosses barriers that we cannot go over. And we need help explaining why we cannot do that. Or otherwise, we will do it. And we don't understand. Sometimes we can't understand it. But we'll follow your law out of respect. The biggest character of all is the Boogeyman. Yes, I have to pull this up too. We'll have the Boogeyman talk about this. So Boogeyman, hit it away. I'm the Boogeyman, and I'm coming to get you. Thank you for that, Boogeyman, but please don't come and get me. This is probably the scariest gimmick ever. Those scary characters are the most mesmerizing, though. Also, he loved eating worms. Also, he struggled with wrestling, though, but he didn't have to. This is an Aspie because this is crossing the line if you're a kid and you eat worms. So, parents, you need to explain why it is important to function. Because even though society doesn't want you to ask these, you have to give a little bit and function. Otherwise, you will not make it. So, parents, if they do something wrong, explain why it is wrong and not get mad at them. Because they're trying to learn like every other child is trying to learn. The next thing pro wrestling I want to talk about is a tag team. A tag team is two people who have mutual respect for each other and decide to be buddies. They typically have a common goal. The team must be on the same page and know each other. The team is everything together. Also, though... A good way to be a tag is maybe mix it up with a variety of styles. And you don't have to like each other, but you show respect to each other. This is an ask because we have our partners in crime. If you've not found yours yet, I encourage you to go find one because you'll find the right person for your little sidekick or a partner in crime. You just need some time and just have the patience and pick the right person as well. According to W. Captain, the top 10 tag teams are the Fabulous Freebirds. Is number 10. They were a three-man tag team where any two could be in the ring. You had the powerhouse, the talker, and the technician. So it worked out well when you combined those skills. The leader was Michael Hayes. They hit home with their rival to the Von Erics. This is autism because we do see the potential if you find the right person to work with. If you're good to us, we'll be good to you back. And hey, you never know, might form a partnership. The next tag team is Demolition. They were able to articulate and act the part with red tongues, and they were scary. They kind of were a ripoff of a certain tag team, but in my opinion, the competition creates interest. Although they were a ripoff, 
They had the better theme song, in my opinion. Look at the 15th video below to hear it. Demolition had the longest reigning tag team championships of all time. This can be an aspie due to our ideas sometimes are inspired by trivial memories and ripoffs. I mean, the story with that is my best friend was sick, and I thought of the Miss School Robot, and I thought that would work well because it could be like a maneuver thing, and the iPad could be on strain. They could see the screen, and I just thought it would work out, but we're the only ones who know ourselves when it comes to those ideas. The next tag team is the Rockers. They were a classical 80 rock star, fun tag team, and fun to watch. With their innovativeness, they were little but could fight big guys. The Rockers also did a lot of stereo and double moves. They had the biggest fan base alive at that time frame, and the ladies loved them, and they brought excitement. This is actually because we can double up and tag along with someone, but as I mentioned, it's hard to get the chances. But when we do, I hate to say it, but I think sometimes we blow it, and we typically do. I mean, I've blown a lot of chances away. And I, but I, the best thing to do, parents and athletes, is to forget about it. Forget the past. Move on. Live in the present. The next tag team that's pretty good is the British Bulldogs. The British Bulldogs were different and combined their different abilities. They combined each other with their strength and quickness. They did some new moves that changed the industry. They made the locker room step up, and they even won the tag team titles in 1982. Even Ozzy Osbourne backed them up. Then Matilda came along as their mascot, and finally she was a Bulldog. This is Otis. Because when someone with a disability is around someone who does not, they truly have to feel like they have to step it up. I feel like I have to step it up my game when I'm around someone who doesn't and show what I am truly capable of. And everyone has to do that. Even someone with a disability does. But that's the only thing we can do. We show what our talents are and we show what we know. And the next tag team is the Dudley Boys. They are a hardcore tag team and were bruisers that beat up people. They were built from ECW and they brought that style with them to the WWE. They were one of the pioneers of putting people through tables, as I mentioned earlier. But this is an ask because we sometimes think like a table due to being hard-headed and stubborn because we are hard-headed and are a strong person. And we don't change our mind quite often. But we do sometimes. But often, good luck trying to guess because it ain't going to happen. When an opinion sticks, it sticks. The next tag team is the Rock and Sock Connection. It is the combination of a handsome and ugly can work together in WWE. Mankind convinced the Rock to do it. But it was not a warm, friendly relationship. It was a one-sided relationship. I guess Mankind can be considered autistic in that moment due to him bothering someone. And I have issue with that because I have been a victim of a one-sided sit. And see 1115, conversation operation for more information to know what that really is. But it hurts when I see it and see it happening. And it hurts worse when I am told it. But I'd rather be told and not be blindsided by it. The next tag team is the New Age Outlaws. When you heard the chord... Oh, you didn't know? When you heard it, you knew they were coming. But they were thrown together due to them being tough spots as singles competitors. The funny thing is that they are opposites. Rodon did the odd things in the ring, and Billy God was really the wrestler. They were more elevated when they joined DX. They define a generation. The outlaws represent autism because Aspies are also defining a generation. A generation of acceptance. And I hope to see that generation of acceptance grow and grow and grow until no one is excluded or being stereotyped ever, ever again. The next tag team is Edge and Christian. They grew up together and had a rough start, but turned heads when they brought charisma and showed their fun side. They also did a five-second flash photography for fun and introduced chairs with a tag team. This is obvious because it is hard for us to find the balance of being serious and having fun. If it was up to me, I'd be the goofy guy out there going, <laughs> But I learned I can't do that. Sometimes I have to be the serious guy as I'm being right now. 
but it's hard to find that balance because sometimes I want to be fun. Sometimes I want to be serious. Sometimes I want to dance like I do with dad, like I am kind of right now. I mean, it's hard to find that balance. And, and in certain actions, it's even harder. But we have to find it. Parents, it's your job to tell us when to have fun and when to be serious and when to have a little bit of both even. The next tag team is the Hardy Boys. They were the coolest and craziest tag team to this day. They were revolutionary. They started as fans and started as wimps. But they were a great tag team but did not win until 1999 when they captured their first tag team championships. It was a turning point for the Hardy Boys when they were around. No one was safe. They had the hard rock and roll and, and they were so cool and also had sex appeals while still addressing the part. This is so on the spectrum because I think we are cool as we can be ourselves. But it's also cool and we tend to date the emo lifestyle because the emo lifestyle to me is more cool. People don't understand you but I think that's kind of the cool part. But it's also kind of cool that emos are a little edgy and... It's like they have a mystery side to them, in my opinion. The best tag team of all, though, is Road Warriors. And when you hear this, what a rush! Then that you know they're coming out. I mean, they were just, they were also revolutionary. From the size, the paint they had, the presentation was kind of scary, too. They were most well known as a tag team when they were at the peak of their career. They optimized to me what tag team wrestling is supposed to be. And their finisher was together, and they were the toughest dudes alive. They rode motorcycles and had shaved heads and shoulder pads. Plus, when it was time to wrestle, it was not pretty with the Road Warriors. You had a strong person, really, and a psycho. They captured gold in every promotion they worked at. And the addition of Paul Ellerine was excellent, and he was really a businessman. This is autism because we are businessmen sometimes, and we sometimes do think with logic. Because while I am not the most logical person alive, I don't think with logic sometimes, I'll be honest with you. I think sometimes with mine and what's right to me, but sometimes the logic reason is what's right to me. The next thing in professional wrestling I want to talk about is a babyface. He is really the heroic or a good guy wrestler who is cheered by the fans. They usually wrestle by the rules and be positive. There are also anti-heroes who are rebellious but love the fans. An example of this would be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Also, the fans have to get behind you or being a babyface is a waste of time. Case in point, when Batista returned and they decided to boo him. The mannerism of a face is to promote that you are a giver or a family man. If you look at Bret Hart, he gave his glasses to his fans, and Rey Mysterio gave masks to his audience. And Rick Steamboat was an example of being a family man where he carried his son to the ring. They also criticized the bad wrestlers and always want to fight. This is an Aspie because like Hart and Mysterio, Aspies are generous, and we can be baby faces by being Santa Claus 24-7. I mean, we are Santa Claus 24-7. Although we lack empathy, we do have compassion. We want to do the right thing and give and give and give everything we have but sometimes we do not know what to do. Which leads me to the next thing, which is a heel. He is the bad or the villainous character who is usually booed by the fans. Heels use cheap tactics and play dirty and do not follow the rules. They will also plead like Ric Flair did. And Aspie can represent a heel too because of not having the fear to get dirty and not follow the rules. And as we do what we wish to do against the wish of others. Sometimes we think, I'm the boss, you're not telling me what to do. I mean, no one tells us what to do sometimes, I think. And we have to be reeled in that or caught in the net sometimes. We're like, hey, you can't do this. I mean, that's just how we are. But we think that heel sometimes is us because we want to do what we wish. You don't push us around, especially in the teen years because I've been pushed around enough to count. And I'm tired of it. The next thing I want to talk about from professional wrestling is a ladder match. It is a professional wrestling stipulation where the only way to win is to climb the ladder and pull down the prize that is hanging down the grail. It adds creativity 
in WWE because you do not know where else you will see it. According to Dean Ambrose on Countdown, it is described as a climbing contest. It is a dangerous type of match with pain. You not only climb it, but the ladder can be used to beat your opponent with. You can get thrown off or pushed off and even land on the ladders. This is autism because we, this is our journey climbing the ladder, climbing the corporate ladder and to retrieve the prize. We will get to the prize. We'll climb the ladder and each step is a reflection of ourselves and a reflection of our journey. The next thing I want to talk about in professional wrestling is a debut. It is the first appearance on WWE. It is a good chance to make a good first impression. Always the first time that the audience sees you. The best debut is the person who gets the audience's interest. A way to help your debut is to do a vignette, which is a short video to hype the audience and see who you will be when you arrive in the professional wrestling field. It makes the fans curious just like everyone else. They are nervous to debut. This represents autism because we are nervous when we first arrive on the scene. But most of the time, the reactions are mixed. And parents, you should teach your autistic children how to handle the ones who dislike you because in reality, some people are not going to like us. We know that. But the question is, how do you handle they're going to be jerks or bully you? Well, you don't bother. You focus on what you do have. Don't focus on what you don't have. Don't focus on that. They're not worth your time. The people who want you and need you are worth your time. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is a faction in WWE. It is a group or three or more wrestlers who come together to accomplish a common goal. They usually come together to dominate the wrestling world. Chemistry is the key to having a great faction. They showcase their individual strengths, but as a group, they are stronger. Each member brings something different to the group. Every faction, though, must have a leader. Some factions have even groomed the next star. If they are not ready to be on their own, then putting them in a group will definitely teach them how to be successful. This is autism because we sometimes want to know how to learn and be successful. But we need a mentor to get us there, and finding that mentor is the best thing when we find the right one. According to the WWE countdown, the top 10 wrestling factions, first is, or number 10, as you say, is the Heenan family. Bobby the Brain Heenan was so successful as a manager, which I'll talk about later, that he got a stable of wrestlers that he had to go through all of them in order to get to Bobby Heenan. He felt his men were family. If you were in there, you were automatically noticed. Bobby Heenan really helped out, and that is what made him stand out. He built each man up and treated all of his men like a god. The goal of the Heenan family was to kill Hulkamania, and he used his family to try to do that. He did fail, uh, sadly, but they had to move on to other wrestlers. This is an Aspie because good-hearted Aspies are loyal, as I said earlier, but we like to prove it too by being your cheerleader. And no, we don't go in the cheerleading field and go, Go, PJ, go! Woo, yeah, ha-ha! Go, woo, cheer, go! No, heck no. I would suck at cheerleading. I'd probably break my back. But anyway... I try to be your cheerleader by saying, oh, that's awesome. Good job. Keep going. You're the best. You're the best. I guess it's the manly way of cheerleading is what you could call it. Oh, the only thing I want, if you're a part of my family, is your best. And I will get hard on you, but it's only because I want you better. If I motivate you, it's because I want you better. At the end of the day, I just want the end results of you being a better person. And that's what makes me know that I'm doing the right thing. The next one is the Dangerous Alliance. As they say, the more powerful they got, the less power WCW had. There was so much variety of talent in this faction. It was not a faction, though, or a family. It was an alliance of businessmen. It started after Paul Heyman, or Paul E. Dangerously, back then got suspended, and at the time, they signed Rick Rude. So they really decided to combine their talents and form the Dangerous Alliance. The way they did it was to take out WCW's heroes, and Dangerously, or Heyman, started right at the top with Sting. The rise after Rick Rude beat Sting was the really when they hit home. Their alliance also helped elevate Stone Cold Steve Austin's career. After it got big, they captured all the WCW championships. 
Sometimes Ashes think that our friends are part of my alliance, and while I have trust issues, I would go to them if I needed a favor. And yes, I don't trust my friends 100%. I'm sorry, guys, but I don't. But I do believe that you are part of my alliance and that you do have my back. And as long as you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And the next one is the Nation of Domination. A United tried to promote black power and a way to talk about racism. They also had a star power and had more when they recruited The Rock. It helped them doing something different because their career before was going nowhere. And it was easy to hate because according to Mark Henry on Countdown, it was based by the color of their skin. This is not autism, but to me it shows fairness. I think we are growing with our relationship with African Americans, but I hope to see the day that racism no longer exists because... It should not be a black blank. It should be a black teacher, African-American teacher, African-American faction. It should just be faction. There should be no judging based on the color of their skin. Because one, they all may create equal, no matter race, but there's still people who don't like those type of colored people, obviously, and that's wrong. But anyway, I believe racism should be done. No one should be considered black, white, Hispanic. It needs to be person. That's it. No judging based on the color of their skin. The next faction I want to talk about is the corporation. It was created by Mr. and Shane McMahon. It was created to make sure he had people to enforce his business. And the goal was to end Stone Cold Steve Austin because he was a Red Bull and did not follow the rules. He wanted to give McMahon's more gray hair. The corporation grew bigger when McMahon recruited The Rock. He loved him because he looked and dressed and spoke well. And the corporation made decisions for others. This is autism because we need help and sometimes need the decisions made for us. Because I've done that before. I've told my mother, Mom, I can't make a decision. Please make it for me. And it's not me being a baby. It's me saying, I don't know what to do. Please help me. Tell me what I should do in your opinion. I mean, I know we may not agree on it, but I just want an opinion. Can you please give that to me? And that's all we really want is when we do that, we just need help and, and another opinion. That way we know if this is the right decision or the wrong decision. The next faction is the Hart Foundation. The Hart Foundation, and it started when Owen Hart and British Bulldog were wrestling against each other midway through the match. Bret Hart stops them and convinces them to join Bret and come back to the family. They even had Brian Pillman. It got better though when Bret told Americans to kiss his butt and when he turned bad. He criticized America and he spit the truth about America. Because we kind of are kind of a bashy people, but we're still like, USA, USA. What was most interesting was the Dineers because when they come to America, they get booed out of the building. When they go to Canada, they were heroes and were cheered. This is autism because the dynamics are different when it comes not only to you, but we have our own dynamics of you. I already know you have our dynamics of us, but we have our dynamics of you, what we think of you. You know, we may think you're a bad person, this person is a bad, but here they come when they're out of that school and yet they're a hero to us. I mean, the dynamics with people and the way we perceive them is definitely different. The next action is evolution evolution was cool because it represented different generations and had the past the present and the future it was the evolution of our business their shining moment was at a pay-per-view in 23 where evolution captured all the gold everyone liked it and they could have been around a lot longer it was a diverse group this is an as because of our evolution as i want to tell parents we will evolve we won't grow up only but we'll be successful and what we will do as a pay-per-view tagline said we will be all grown up because we'll grow and become the greatest man or woman you have ever met and the son and daughter that you wanted us to be. The next faction is the Four Horsemen. They were a faction who lived the luxury life. Art and it came up with the name on television. To Finn, you probably needed a strong liver. They had what was wealth in the A's. They had fun but backed it up in the ring. They were really pioneers of the faction. This is an aspect because every good heart aspect considers life a luxury. 
And I know we need wealth. I mean, we need a house to survive and food. I get that. But what you do not need is an excessive amount of wealth to be happy. I have what I need. I have a house, family, and food. I have everything I need. But just because I don't have a fancy mansion or go to fine dining restaurants doesn't mean I need to be happy. I'm happy where I am, and you should be too. The next faction is the NWO. Their goal was to destroy WCW and professional wrestling. NWO happened after Hulk Hogan turned heel and went through his persona change, as I mentioned earlier, from the backstab. And from a fan's perspective like me, I think it was better because Hogan was much better and cooler. And I'll tell you, the NWO was unpredictable. They were really the criminals in WCW, and they mainly vandalized everything they saw. They went from being hated heels that they were loved so much. Everywhere you went, people had NWO shirts on. The NWO journey could be considered autistic because although you might hate us, you might want to give us another chance because if the NWO could change someone's perspectives, Aspies can too because we'll change your perspective, I think. I mean, we may get hated at first, but once you see the real side of us and the soft side that we give you, I think you'll love us, and I think there'll be shirts even written with Sam Rocks or This Person Rocks. And I think it's just not show autism, but I think that's anyone. Give people a chance. Keep giving them chances until you're had enough, obviously. But you never know at the end of the day because they might become one of your best buds. At the end of the day... Just remember, you never know, and I think you'll see that life will be much open with more open doors if you really thought like that. Then our next faction that should be mentioned is the Brood. It was a weird and scary because they were vampires. They also had the coolest entrance alive. Look at the 11th video below to see it. But instead of talking, they did blood baths, and it came from the movie Blade according to Edge on Countdown because that was their inspiration because they couldn't talk, and their blood baths ruined a lot of clothes, but it was also a form of humiliation. This is autism because of what happened recently with Edge as he went back to his roots at a pay-per-view this year. And Aspie also never forgets where they come from no matter how bad or good the place was. We, our traits come from that place no matter where it is. And that becomes a part of us whether you like it or not. And we just, the way to move on is to live with that truth. The final fact I want to mention is DX. They were a gang of rebels who did not care and acted like defiant teenagers and children. It happened after Bret Hart called them degenerates and DX took that and embraced it. They did not care they ruffled up some feathers. It had many different personalities, and that's why it worked, but they were all degenerates. This is an ask because we are too laid back and sometimes do not care what the consequences are, and sometimes we push the boundary. I mean, we go with the flow in life. I mean, there have been a lot of comparisons with DX, but this is the biggest one. We are laid back, and we do not care. I mean, I mean, I won't tell my, obviously earlier, I won't tell someone to suck it clearly, but if I have to do something to get to the top, I will do it. And I don't care what those consequences are. If I have to go there and figure out a backstab play, then that's what I have to do. I mean, but I don't backstab easily. I mean, I'm not going to be like, oh, I don't like you. I'm at the top. No, that's not me. I mean, I will go there and I could carry someone even too. But I'm not afraid to push the boundaries and cross it sometimes even to get there and even go and back to it because I will have to do what I have to do in life sometimes, just like some other people have to do. The next thing I want to mention is a WWE couple. This is when two superstars play an on-screen relationship, and it's like a faction that makes a good couple is chemistry. They really need to last more than a week on WWE. You're around them every day, and they do not last because there is no one to trust in WWE, sadly. What has to happen, though, is love. This is autism because we want love, too, and we can create chemistry with the right person, no matter what features 
or challenges we have. It can work because we can still share accomplishments. I mean, no matter what, love is love, everybody. Love is in the air for me all the time. I mean, not all the time, but sometimes. But anyway, I mean, love does exist. I mean, there's love sometimes in the air. And what I understand is the myth is, if you don't think we're capable of love, why do you think you haven't tried yet? I mean, how, how come you haven't tried giving us love back? How come we always have to be the first one? How come you haven't tried, if that makes any sense? How come you haven't had tried to make a relationship with us? I mean... We might be great for friends if you think that, but the myth is that we're not great for love. That's far from the truth. That's a myth. Give us the chance and we'll show you. I mean, we'll give you flowers every Valentine's Day. We'll give you a box of chocolates every Valentine's Day. We will show that we are the most loyal and protective and greatest husband that will ever exist from anyone's perspective and that you are one lucky woman to have us. Now, folks, we'll be right back, but we got to hear about one more sponsor and that'll be Perfection Hourglass. So let's get to it. Perfection Autoglass is the largest independent autoglass company in the state of Indiana, serving Bloomington, Fishers, Terre Haute, Greenwood, Anderson, and Muncie. They specialize in all aspects of autoglass repair and replacement on everything from domestic and import vehicles, RVs, heavy trucks, and equipment repairing glass, outside mirrors, windows, regulators, and motors. Perfection Autoglass has trained and certified technicians that recalibrate the camera attached to your windshield to ensure your lane departure warning and ADS safety features are working properly. Their staff has more than 100 years of combined experience and uses only uses the highest quality glass and sealants in the industry. If your windshield or windows are damaged in any way, just have them replaced it or repaired as soon as possible for the safety of you and your loved ones. They offer both in-shop and mobile services as well as same-day service. Perfection Autoglass works directly with all insurance companies and their staff is committed to the highest level a quality service and attention to details that customers have come to expect. They understand that getting your vehicle back on the road as soon as possible is important to you. You can visit them online at perfectionautoglassindiana.com to learn more about their services and for a free quote, which I think is kind of cool by the way, may I add. But anyway, please call Perfection Autoglass for any and all your autoglass needs. All right, folks, and we're back. And yes, please check them out because they are perfect. The next thing I want to talk about is a diva or a woman's wrestler. She is any woman who is strong, sexy, and powerful in the WWE. They can bring attention that guys cannot bring. Women's wrestling has come so far because back in the day, they did not get much television time and produce average matches. They're amazing at who is the true pioneer of women's wrestling. They can use their greatest features no matter what, no matter what they are, and use them to their advantage. Women wrestlers can get what they want in ways that men cannot. They can use their looks or their voice to get someone's attention, but you also have to be able to fight. A woman's wrestler must handle herself while also at appearances and event. What you really need, though, is the looks and the skills along with the mouth. This is not autism, but I do want to speak to the ladies as they say you have came a long way after the women's suffrage movement because we now see that we can respect because you are not just a pretty girl based on your looks. Your personalities and your confidence make you a smart and powerful woman. According to WWE Countdown, the top 10 women are... Number 10 is Sunny. She was the first true woman to revolutionize the way women were viewed in WWE. She did use her looks and mouth to her advantage. She was not one to trust. She always put the team over. She stood up from the others. I wanted to see how she would use the teams as well. She got manipulative and the men in trouble. She was the most downloaded female celebrity. The fact that she got the most downloads is really cool. But this shows autism because we got into, when we go into the puberty stage, athletes have these feelings that are undescribable like others do. 
So in reality, the feelings that people have when they hit puberty, I mean, it's undescribable feelings, but we have it a lot worse. We can't describe them at all. I mean, it's just that our body takes over, I guess, is the best way to put it. And the next one is Alundra Blaze, a.k.a. Medusa. She did bring a sex appeal, but a different type. I would describe it as a baddie type. She was also kind of scary when she was mad. She has wrestled in Japan as well. She took the Japan wrestling place over. This isn't asking because we are also kind of scared when we are mad. And sometimes it is hard to control our anger because when we get so angry, oh my goodness, watch out because we can't fuel it in anymore. Because we, I don't know if everyone does, but some Aspies have anger issues. And when that bottle fuels up, watch out. And the parents, the best way to do is let them have their angry moments because anyone has anger. But if it gets too harmful, then you need to put them in tuition for your safety. Then the next one is Sable. After she was released from Mark Marrow's management and backstab Marrow, she used her sex appeal to her advantage. But also she could wrestle in the ring. She took risks and did things that no other woman did until that time. For example, she was the first woman's wrestler to be shown in Playboy. This is autism because Aspie's males might like girl things over guys' interests and like the Playboy. And who cares? Let them have their own interests so they can become who they were meant to be. You are you. You're the only person who can determine that. And if it's girlyish or that's not really guyish and it, it kind of protects the male identity, I guess, who cares? It's you. You're the one who gets to determine your own male identity. The next one is Fabulous Moolah. She was the women's wrestling champion for a long time. She was not about looks, but she was about respect. Back in the 80s, though, she was an attractive gal, but she was ruthless in the ring. She was the women's champion for over 25 years. She even wrestled when she was an elder and probably over 60 years. And the best of all, she won the women's championship. This does not represent autism, but this shows age is a three-letter word because with hard work, you can do anything you wish, no matter how age treats you. And it's like autism because no matter how age treats you, who says you have to moan and groan and complain on the couch 24-7 with your age? So who cares? You can do anything you want, no matter how old you are. The next one is Sensational Sherry. She had no fear and was insane. Plus, she always had no fear to help her clients win. She started out as a tough female wrestler. She was fearless and scary. Her mind was not in the right place as she wore face paint, but she was, for me, scary attractive. And yes, she was attractive to me. This is autism because it's hard for us to find the love. But that being said, who we fall in love with might be a kind of attractive to us, but only us. And who cares? Who, what Love is love, as I said earlier. Who, whatever person you find out there, go for it. Because that's the person that you might be able to fall in love with eventually and make roses and sunshine bloom. Next woman is Mae Young. She has 70 years of experience. Everyone loved her as one of the first that actually wrestled the men. She was 18 and wrestled during World War II. She is insanely outlandish. She was tough because she wanted to be slammed like one of the men. This goes back to when I said we have to control the volume, but it's a little deeper because an Aspie is outlandish sometimes through their outgoing nature. But it's hard to rein that personality in. I mean, as I said earlier, it's truly hard to rein it in because we want to be who we are but we can't be in that moment. That, to me, is just sad, but also confusing. The next woman is Stephanie McMahon. She is the boss's daughter. She was once an innocent girl until she turned on her father, and she became an evil and brashful woman. She was the rich girl with all the toys. Then she was the manager of a show. She got business done and demanded respect. She acts like Mr. McMahon and makes her presence announced. Then the authority studying became manipulative businesswoman. This is autism because our belief of hierarchy, like she is higher than me, it doesn't exist. In my playbook, we treat everyone the same. Everyone should be treated with the same respect and the same way as I would treat anyone 
like my mother. The next person is Beth Phoenix. She had the nickname of Glamazon. She had the physique that could not be matched and, sh and was still beautiful. Her skills are amazing like a male, especially when she hits her finisher, the Grand Slam, and Phoenix shows no remorse when she slams you. She also entered the Royal Rumble. This is odd because as I said earlier, an Aspie guy might like girl things. What if it's the other way around, where an Aspie girl likes guy things? That's fine too. I mean, you do not have to live by the male and female gender roles. You can live the role you wish to live in. If you want to be a guy and have girl things or a girl and like guy things, so be it. Whatever you like, you like. The next is Trish Stratus. She definitely had the looks because she came in as a model and as a manager, but she was also dangerous because she kicks your, kicks your butt and she does not look like it. She wanted to do what the men did, and she just kept moving forward. This is autism because I am glad Stress was able to move forward because this is hard for the autism community. It's hard to move forward and not stick on to some when it's attached and not act upon it, but sometimes we have to move over and push it on the back side of the grill, and that's hard for us to do. And sometimes we, we can't mentally. I mean, it's hard for us to do, and we cannot do it until that job is done. But sometimes we had to put it on the back grill or otherwise we will lose our minds. And I learned that from experience. The best deal of all those Lita. She was an edgy diva and was just cool and not afraid to show her greatest assets and let her underwear even show a bit. She did the stuff that was unexpected for her to do. It was groundbreaking. This is an Aspie because we have, we have no care about our looks, whether we look sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. And I certainly do not care as long as you have clothes. I mean, I don't care what you dress in. Pants, the biggest holes alive, lawnmower jeans. I don't care what you dress in, but the only rule is you have to have clothes on. You just can't have like full blown naked running around going, woo, yeah. I mean, that can't be it. You can't do that. That's just unfunctionable. As I don't care what you wear, even if it's a weird, even if it's clothes that someone else would wear, I don't care. As long as you have clothes on, we're chilled. The next thing I'm talking about is a professional wrestling manager, and that is someone who elevates a superstar careers and plays as their cheerleader. It could be male or female. The manager era was in the 80s. Sometimes they could be the mouthpieces for the superstars. Their craft is a promoter, and they also could interfere in matches. Managers could get a crowd reaction. It can get you into places that you cannot, and this is autism because we can enhance you too, and not only be your cheerleader, but we can also make you the best version of yourself. I mean, when you're around me or someone who is on the spectrum, we have a way to persuade you. That makes you feel like you're the best part of you. You're our you. You can be who you want to be. I know people put pressure on you, but I'm not going to do that. That's not who I am. I can't do that because I've experienced it myself. And when that pressure is applied, I apologize. I don't mean to. It's just that I want you to be yourself and I want you to grow as a person as well and learn something about you that you never knew about where you can't share it around your parents even maybe. Also, one of the cool things about WWE is celebrities make appearances and I don't know why, but it's really cool what they do. And they are just like you who are fans of WWE. Sometimes they get involved in the action and that grabs everyone's attention. They can gain new viewers. It is also fun when an actor or even an athlete can hop into our world of professional wrestling and see what it is like. This has nothing to do with autism, but because my season is wrapping up, I want to thank all the celebrities who have came on my show and took the time to talk about autism and mental health. You truly are a real part of this journey, and I can never thank you enough. The next thing I want to talk about in WWE is a return. This is when you come back to the WWE, and they have to even make a bigger impact when he or she comes back to the WWE. They have to pick the right time to return. They're usually returning because something bad happened. The reasons could be an injury, filming a movie, or a fake retirement. According to Graves from WWE Countdown, he said it's a sense of freshness, but also familiarity. It gives the audience a chance to get excited to see you again. However, after you return, you have to back it up after, too. You can pick up where you left off, or even go in a new direction. It is described as the first day on the job again. 
This is an ask because we have the power to reinvent ourselves, as I said earlier, multiple times. But we're also the same person, but with a twist. And the twists, in my opinion, are pretty cool. Because the twist could be we're more mature, we're more blunt, we're just more cooler, I think, than we were. And then the final thing I want to talk about with professional wrestling for this episode is a rivalry. It's a few that happens because of a certain issue. It is better when one of the people crosses a personal line. Without an issue, there is no contest. They really start because of an ego and there's only number one spot. The intensity gets good and you no longer know what started the feud. Also, a good rivalry has to be the antagonist and the protagonist. This just shows Aspie classically because sometimes we are not going to like everyone we see, but parents, it is important for you to teach us how to be civil to that person. It's hard for us to be civil to that person. You know, if I saw my arch enemy right now and they know who they are, it would definitely be hard to be civil to that person. But you know what I learned? If I don't be civil, it's not going to go anywhere and it builds character and it makes me the bigger person. Well, I think that'll be all for us today. And I hope you learned something about WWE, but don't worry because we're going to hear more about professional wrestling in the next episode. So stay tuned. Thanks for joining me for this episode. Please tune in for another episode coming very soon. Hope you enjoy listening to me ramble. Thank you very much. <laughs>